gonna be in your lens a little bit. The camera's a little bit off. That's all right. Hello, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Cheers. Good Cheers. to see you, sir. Good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. Glad to have you back in El Paso. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be back here. It's uh the first episode back in El Paso from the new studio, which is my favorite one so far. And uh yeah, I've uh, missed El Paso. I've got a lot of friends here. I've got quite a bit of family. San Antonio can suck it. So after after two years there, I decided it's time to come back. So here I am. You know, I've always said about El Paso, it's, it's a shit place to visit, but a great place to live. <laughs> that's, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's true. <laughs> if you visit here, you're going to be like, what the hell are we doing in this town? There you go. Yeah. You know, there's no Metropolitan Museum of Art. Nothing. There's no symphony orchestras. <laughs> there's no... There's no, there's no opera. I think, there, I think there is a symphony, actually. My friend plays in it. They do but have a, yeah, there's yeah, a, they there's do have a symphony. symphony. Right, yeah. right. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, of note, or of, you know, half the, half the stuff that venues that you go to, uh, if you've been to Chicago, New York, Dallas, L.A., you know, they're, by comparison, cheesy. Mm. you know but still enjoyable yeah uh, i guess if you're into that sort yeah. of thing so not a great place to visit great place to live i I, agree. I would agree with that for sure so you pulled up here and i noticed you use one of those speed the radar detectors oh yeah are those things effective yes how do they work they make beep 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 beep, beep, beep. and but isn't it doesn't the the thing have to be aimed at you for it to catch it so well you know i've noticed that when my radar detector goes off and i'm talking about a high-end radar detector mm -hmm. when my radar detector goes off and i start looking it'll be two minutes later i'll see a police car mm. so my range is awesome oh wow you know it's two awesome. two minutes yeah. and if you're driving on the highway at 60 70 miles per hour two minutes that's a long distance well, that would be slow. <laughs> <laughs> so how, let's say you're doing 80. How far do you go in two minutes at 80 miles an hour? Uh, you go pretty far. 85, 90. Yeah, you, you're covering a lot of ground in, in two minutes. Yeah. yeah no, a few miles I'm, I'm least, always right? surprised, you know. A minute, sudden, a I'll, hit, a mile. I'll hit the peak of a hill, and it starts beeping, and I, and I start looking around a minute or two later. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not timing it right yeah, but it, yeah. it's at least a minute it's it's a, a surprising amount of time for when it starts going off and then i know it's the exact same police officer or police car because after it goes beyond me it starts the the noise the warning starts diminishing mm -hmm. and then it'll go over a hill or something it'll stop so where are you going in such a hurry court <laughs> okay <laughs> good answer <laughs> you've been uh taking up a lot of cases in cruises no yeah my, my, i'm i'm on the uh federal uh cja panel there and i've got at least uh, 30 40 cases pending there federal cases federal cases yeah Human uh, trafficking? although i still you know uh, i don't like state court it takes too long to get stuff done mm -hmm. uh they're and uh, I got horror stories that I could tell, you know, about that. And uh, federal court here, I'm not on a panel. Uh, 
but I do take private clients there. And so most of my work is in Las Cruces and I have to be there two, three times, sometimes up to four times a week. So it's an hour drive from door to door. I'm sure you get compensated handsomely for your time. Not handsomely, but well enough. I get about 160 an hour and they pay your travel time and they pay your miles, you know? Uh, So it's, it's, it's a good living. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a good living. Plus I've got my own private practice and I do have cases in state courts, but they're private cases. I do have cases in federal court here in El Paso, but they're also private cases. Those you could charge whatever you want, right? Oh yeah. Somebody walks in, wants you to represent them. You could ask for a million dollars. I mean, they don't, they they may not pay it, but you could ask, you could yeah. make your own price, right? Yeah, it's not, they, it's not like there's a, there's a, there's a fee schedule. You typically charge more for federal cases. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like you get what I'm saying. Like with a doctor, if you go to a doctor, he gets paid a certain amount per visit based on what insurance you have. Blue Cross Blue Shield reimburses 150 for a checkup. United reimburses 120, whatever. But as a lawyer, you could say, okay, well, you want me to, like you told me one time you defended a lady who was getting divorced or you, rep- you represented a lady who was getting a divorce and you don't like to do divorce. So you told her, I'll do it for 150 G's. And she agreed. Yep. And I got her a five million dollar settlement. <laughs> that poor husband. No, no, he <laughs> he got fucked. No, 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 <laughs> no. It was actually seven million, <laughs> but then they threatened to appeal, and they called her behind my back, and she settled for five. Mm. And uh, without mentioning any names, it was an industrial. Uh, the husband was part of an industrial, well-known industrial manufacturing corporation. And he job materials. Uh, no, it wasn't here. It was in <laughs> okay. Chicago, but they had uh, seven million bucks was a drop in the bucket. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but but I'll tell you another interesting thing. That'll make a guy want to yeah. shoot. Himself. I once tried a murder and won it for seven hundred and fifty dollars, and I was on trial Monday to Friday, and next week Monday to Friday. Why'd you do that, Good Samaritan? No. I did it because I believed in the client. I realized they didn't have any money and I wasn't going to dump them for lack of money, but I've also gotten a hundred thousand dollars in cash for a 45 minute bond hearing. Wow. So it all evens out in the end, you know, what fees you charge. Yeah. The uh, last week, last Friday, I went to the bank. I had this idea of doing this uh, YouTube video, a little YouTube short Instagram reel with $10,000 in ones and 10 in tens and 10 in one hundreds. I still have some of the cash right here. I haven't even deposited it all back. <laughs> I still have some of the ones it's taking forever to deposit it back. So, um, so I, I go to the bank and I have a duffel bag with me. I was carrying that green duffel right there. I don't know if you can see it. And they give me the hundreds, you know, hundreds just yeah, yeah, stack yeah. like that. Then they give me the ones, which was a brick. I'll, I'll, I'll just grab a brick real quick. The tens were were a brick like this. So that was 10 grand in $10 bills. These are $1 bills. This is a thousand dollars. And then they gave me 10 of these and they had them in a big plastic bag and they just handed me this big bag. And I go to put it in my duffel. It didn't even fit. It was half of it was sticking out of the top. But I was like, this must be what Ken feels like when he goes to what you told me. Like one time in Chicago, you went up to some guy's apartment at three in the morning and he gave you a bag of cash. I'm like, that must be $70,000 in a paper bag. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, like half a mil now. Well, no, I don't think so. You know, maybe 
maybe uh, 150, 200,000. But, you know, I'm walking down, I'm walking down the street. Oh, stick. it's more than that. This is in Cabrini Green. Yeah. Which I, is I a notorious. So I'm wearing a fedora, I'm wearing a black overcoat. I got a 45 ACP, 1911 in one hand, just open. Good choice. Huh? Very and I'm choice. walking down the stairs. And there's shitheads all over the place. They're just looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) Did they know there was, but they didn't know there was cash in the bag. It could could have been cheeseburgers. Uh, All they saw is a white guy with a fedora and a a black overcoat, Mm, a gun in one hand and a paper bag in the other. Yeah. You know, you could draw, you could draw some conclusions from that. Yeah. It's, uh, that was reckless. (laughs) (laughs) That's what being young is for. Yeah, but uh, you know, full of testosterone. I was in my late 30s, early 40s. I didn't give a shit. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Here's my money. Come get it, asshole. Normally, guys start to think a little bit more about safety in their thirties, like early thirties. I guess it took you a little longer, huh? I still don't think about it. I still don't give a shit <laughs> most of the time, and it's it's been it's gotten me in uh, in some tight jams. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it, you know, it's. Uh, I, I was recently in Spain. I'm walking around wearing a gold Rolex wow. as a tourist, you know, in Spain. Yeah, I saw that. You went to Spain. That was that yeah. was a nice trip. And, huh? and uh, well, I had a case in Chicago that didn't go, and I had a trial here that got canceled. Um, and so, uh, you know, my my wife said, "Let's go to Spain for eight days." I said, "Fine." So, and and here's the interesting thing about it in Spain. There are no firearms, and you can't carry a knife. Knives are against the law. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my wife said, hey, leave the leave the Rolex in the room. I said, I don't have another watch. I want to know what time it is. So what I did was uh, we had ordered some sushi at the hotel we were at. So I took a couple of uh, chopsticks, chopstick, sharpened one real good, and then I wrapped it with a rubber band and a piece of tissue and put it in my pocket. Hmm. So if anybody tried to mug me, I could have a chopstick to stick in their throat. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. You got to have some kind of weapon on you for self-defense, right? What do you, uh, what's your everyday carry now? You still carry 1911? Uh, No, no, no. I, I'm going to tell you an interesting story. My favorite round, my favorite pistol, and my favorite round is a Sig two two six, three fifty seven Sig. Okay, which is a devastating round. Yeah, very powerful. Not very popular for whatever no, reason. No, it's not very popular. Well, it, it's it, it's not for Joe average, you know. Um, but I had an experience with it that uh, made me go back or turned to nine millimeter and this is the experience could you just real quick just pull this a little closer to you yeah right here yeah just keep it right in front of yeah, you. this you is the, this is what yeah, it that sounds better i inherited my mother's house in horizon city and while we were waiting to sell it my wife decided to put it on airbnb for rent so we rented it for one night and it turned out to be a party a kid's party and my wife went to check on it, and she met the police. The police had just arrived there. The police told her that somebody from inside the residence had made a phone call and said that they had tried to leave, but somebody with a gun threatened them. So the police responded to that address. 
So when I drove up, my wife was already there. When I drove up, uh, a whole bunch of kids walking out, you know, 40, uh, 30, 40 kids at least. And I went in the house and it was trashed. And the guy who had thrown the party had left a bunch of property there. His speakers and, you know, beer pong tables. There was no structural damage, but the place was a mess. So the police shoot everybody out. And now my wife and I are cleaning. It's now three in the morning. And I saw some car drive by back and forth. And some guys had left duffel bags inside of there. And the police had already come and taken them away. And as a matter of fact, some guys came by while the police were still there and said, that's our property, take them away. And my attitude was, look, I'm not going to hang on to these guys' property because I don't want them to come back and vandalize the property, you know, the building. Right. So, but anyway, a while later, there's some cars going back. So I decided to get in my car and be a Mr. Private Investigator. And I started trying to determine who these guys your, were. Your wife is calling. Huh? She always calls when you're on the podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Babe, I'm in the middle of a podcast. I'll call you later. <laughs> Bye. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> she knows I'm here. Yeah. So, She's got to double check. She can watch the live stream. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she she wants to make sure I'm with Jamie. Right, right. Not Janie. Right. <laughs> so, right. anyway, um, I followed these guys. So, when I came back, two guys had gone into my house and my wife was there by herself. So as I walked in, there's a small passageway like this and there's a guy standing right here. There's a guy across the room about 25 feet away and he's shoving my wife. Mm. And the object of these two guys are, that's a home invasion. And they're trying to get the speakers that had been left there. So I pulled out my SIG 226 and 357 SIG. I stuck it in this guy's face. I said, hit the ground, asshole. You know, and he looked at me and I just swept him, you know, with one hand and, and grabbed him by the collar and put him down. He wasn't a very big guy, mm-hmm. little kid, about 16, 17 years old, armless, you know. And then the guy, I told the guy, lay down. Lay down on your face, spread your hands out in front of you. And the guy looks at me, he goes, fuck you, man. Wow. And he starts walking toward me. What a dumbass. And I got a 357 SIG in my hand. Okay, round. Yeah. And a SIG 226. Just to clarify, SIG 226 is the make and model of the firearm. 357 SIG is the caliber. Correct. It's, it's, it's a 40 caliber neck down to a 9 millimeter, essentially a 9 millimeter. But it hits with a lot more hit, power behind it. It hits harder than a 45 ACP. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this kid coming at me, and I said, Well, I can shoot him. Home invasion, attacking my wife, coming toward me. I'm within every legal right to shoot him. And then I had a thought. I thought, This poor knucklehead, a 17 year old kid that wants to be tough. And I said, I don't want to see his mother crying at his funeral. That's the exact same thought. And as I'm pointing the gun at him, I got my foot on the back of the, this guy's neck. And I'm pointing the gun at this other guy, right? And I go, asshole, 
just think of your mother crying at your funeral. And that made him stop. I said, lay down. So he laid down, you know, and I, when I frisked them both for weapons, they didn't have any weapons. I told my wife, call the police again, you know, have the police come back. So the police came back and shoot these guys out the door. Uh, I, and I filed assault charges against the guy that had been pushing my wife. Mm -hmm. And just, so my point was, I knew what a 357 SIG it would do to that kid. I could have hit his elbow and it would have come out of his asshole. You know? It, well, a nine millimeter hollow point though was probably going to kill him anyway, too, if you hit him. Well, so I'm, I'm, you know, I was good. So you down, you down, you downsized to a nine millimeter because you're being more humane. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, and, 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 and here's the thing. I hesitated. <laughs> I hesitated at yeah, shooting some. I'm sure his mom appreciates that. 17, 17 Maybe not. 17-year-old knucklehead. Yeah. You know, if he'd have been a 35-year-old man, I would have put two in his chest. Right. But I'm looking at this kid that does dumb teenager, yeah. You know, dumb kid walking toward me. I said, I, I don't want to kill him. Jeez. You know, I don't even want to shoot him. The lack of understanding of consequences. Here's the interesting thing. Yeah. I kicked the shit out of him when he was on the floor. <laughs> I must have kicked him half a dozen times and talked about his mama. Good. <laughs> you know. Good. I mean, his dad never did it, clearly. So somebody yeah. had to. No, he's, he was he, probably a, raised by a single mother. As a matter of fact, no, no, he did have a dad. Oh, he his did? dad went with him to court. Eventually, well, he had a useless dad. I, eventually, I dropped the charges. I let the kid go. You know, I figured he had learned his lesson. He should have, the, the, is, the father should have been tried for being a shitty father, not teaching his son that there's actual consequences and real violence in the world. You cross a certain line, violence appears. And a lot of kids nowadays, I feel like, aren't taught that. Sorry, what was your point? You said your point is? My point is, that's why I went down to a nine okay. millimeter. <laughs> I don't want to have, How, and, and I realized. How caring of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That if this guy, if this guy was really a dangerous character, Maybe, you know, uh, I, I I I didn't want to put him down. It's that simple. So right. I, if you shoot somebody with a nine millimeter, they have a greater chance of survival. Mm -hmm. And the object is not to kill somebody; the object is to stop somebody. That's that's what people have to remember in self defense. You don't want to injure somebody. If that's the case, though, why do why are police trained to keep firing until the threat stops completely? Like that's always controversial when you see a video of a cop shooting someone, and the person is on the floor already. They've been hit a couple times or on the floor, and the cop keeps shooting, and then he still had a knife in his hand. My well, training is I got to keep shooting until until he drops the knife. If the cops tell him to drop the knife, or if he's still moving, they got to keep shooting until the guy stops moving. Those cops usually get ignited. But isn't that how police are trained? No. They're trained to keep shooting no. until no. the threat is completely gone. If a guy is down, you know, you stop. That's how police are trained. When I lecture police. Sorry, I hate to keep reminding you, just pull this a little bit closer okay. to you. When I lecture police on how to avoid getting indicted, I tell them, pretend you're a civilian when you shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. Don't assume that because you're a police officer, you're going to get away. Yeah. And there's case upon case of cops that keep shooting and, and they get indicted. 
It's it's that simple. So if you shoot somebody and they stop, you know, you've done your job. Your job is to, when you see multiple shots, it's because a nine millimeter takes three rounds to stop somebody most of the time. Good, yeah. Could take more. And sometimes, well, you see mag dumps, you know, when, yep. a, guy, when a guy will just empty his mag. I've seen videos of police shooting a guy over 10, 15 times, and he's still moving. Well, there was a famous case in Chicago. I forgot what it was. The guy had 16 rounds in him. You know, and the cop ended up getting indicted. Uh, the uh, the uh, district attorney, which called uh, in Chicago and Cook County, uh, lost her job over it because she held over. Her name was uh, Anita uh, Alvarez, mm-hmm. and she didn't release the tape. And it cost her the next election. Uh, and the cop ended up getting indicted. And if I recall, he just recently got sentenced uh, on second-degree murder. So it's, you know, you don't want to kill somebody. You want to stop it. True. If somebody stops, you stop. And it, and if you're going to start shooting somebody, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, if you open fire on somebody, you stop when, when the threat is over. So I want to show you the story you just said reminds me. I, I saw this video. I got to show you this video. Because first of all, when I saw it, I thought of you. And then right now you told the story and it, it just, it applies so perfectly to this. So check this out. And uh, I said, look, I'm a businessman and my business is crime. And he said, he called me a gangster. I didn't like it. One guy called me a gangster. So I stuck a gun in his mouth and educated him that I weren't a gangster. And uh, I said, look, I'm a businessman and my business is crime. So that's it. That's the clip. <laughs> what do you think of that? We're all criminals. <laughs> it's just a matter of degree. I just love his take on it. He's like, I'm a businessman and my business is crime. No, no, wait, wait. <laughs> We've all committed criminal acts. Uh-huh. Just a matter of degrees. Sure. Now, if you yeah. make it a business and a living, now you're a gangster. That to me is a gangster. You know, the lady who lends her garage out to a drug dealer to store 500 pounds of weed over a weekend is committing a criminal act, but she's not a gangster. Mm -hmm. If she does that every weekend, she's a gangster. Isn't there a statistic on the average American commits 10 crimes a day because there's so many laws, it's impossible to actually live in this country without breaking laws constantly? Uh, I don't doubt it. Uh, I I mean, I I don't know. It could be as simple as as not coming to a full stop at a stop sign, which most people do on a daily basis, I would say. Yeah. Or someone like you speeding, but you have a radar detector so you don't get caught, but you're committing a crime while you're speeding. Uh, I'm not going to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to law school. Fair, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take the fifth on that one. <laughs> so recently, there was the, um, the, the, I guess, the final hearing for the guy who shot up the Walmart. A few years ago. Yeah. How long has it been? It's been three years, I think, right? And he got sentenced to multiple life sentences, which I think is hilarious. Anytime they sentence somebody to like five life sentences, I'm like, the only way to serve that is you got to be a Hindu. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Well, he'll die in prison. <laughs> For sure. And I guess uh, part of that agreement was that he pleaded, he would plead guilty if they would take the death penalty off the table, I think is, is what I read. I'm not too sure. It could be confusing it with another case. Because to me, it's like, how does a guy like that not get the death penalty? 
You know, I mean, what do you think about that case overall? Have you kept up with it much or uh, I mean, I, just, just like from what you know about it, how do you think it should have gone versus how it went? I think you should have gotten it. Listen, I'm against the death penalty, except in cases of mass shootings. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go kill five, six people on purpose, you know, you deserve the death penalty. Or 20. I think his No, body, no, he yeah. killed. But I know what I you're think saying, he killed about 19 people. Something like that, yeah. You know, it, uh, whatever thing, you know. When you go in with that kind of criminal intent to just kill people based on whatever crazy idea you or notion that you have, you should get the death penalty. I think that the death penalty is a deterrence. I, I know guys who have been in jail 30, 40 years were obviously guilty and still maintain their innocence. You know, because that's, in their own mind, they didn't do anything wrong by killing somebody or several people. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing that, that, that you see. You know, the, the, uh, the woman that killed Selena, the famous singer, you know, she still maintains her innocence. And the evidence was overwhelming against her. Mm-hmm. And it's just people get into a mindset. They go, well, or it was justified because they were Mexican, because they were Jewish, because they were black, because they were white. You know, it, so I get I get to kill somebody I don't like because of their ethnic or racial background. Well, I mean, and, and, there's and, murder for all kinds of stupid reasons. And, uh, of course, racism is a part of that sometimes. But I, I like what you said, that you're against the death penalty except for mass shootings. Because in those scenarios, I'm like, what do we have to talk about? What is there even to discuss? Why are we even going to court? Like, the guy just, like, it's as clear as day. He walked in, he killed, I don't know, 18, 19 people, whatever it was. And wh- what are we going to court for? Why are we even having a trial? Like the, because, because that's the rules. I understand that's the rules, but what I'm saying is why aren't the rules, why isn't there an amendment to the rules that says what you just said? If it's a mass shooting, we just go to, straight to execution. We got nothing to talk about. Well, they could have asked for the death penalty in that case. I, I have no idea why they didn't. They could have, but you still have to go to trial, is what I'm saying. You oh, still absolutely. have to spend all this time, and then the 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 perpetrator always pleads insanity because that's always a defense. And now they get they, they get sent to a mental institution instead of whatever, and it, it, just the whole thing. I mean, why is it taking three years to find this guy guilty and sentence him to life? Like it, to me, the because, whole thing is ridiculous. Because we have a process. Sure. And, and let me tell but you something you, about but the what process. you just said. What you I understand the process, but what you just said right there, you proposed essentially an amendment or an exception to that process. No, no, that guy could have had, that guy could have been sentenced to death just after killing one, only one person. Yes. But what I'm trying to say is that they could have asked for the death penalty. Had I been the prosecutor, I would have asked for the death penalty on that. Mm-hmm. No two ways about it. What is the, the, the um, method for carrying out the death penalty in Texas? Uh, I don't injection or electrocution. No, it's lethal, lethal injection. Yeah. But you know, isn't it funny that before they inject you, they, they give you a physical, first of all, they make sure you're healthy enough to be killed. That's a little bit ironic. (laughs) Oh, did I pass my medical exam? And then they swab your arm. Wait a minute. I have a cough today. You can't, you can't can't whack me. (laughs) And then they swab your, your arm with alcohol before they put the needle in. It's like George Carlin said, they wouldn't want you to go to hell and be sick when you get there. <laughs> it's like, it's, what are we doing? 
It's so silly. Look, <laughs> and, and here's how it has to happen. We run everything at the lowest common denominator. It's the lowest common denominator because you have to treat everybody alike. You have to, yeah. So you always go to the lowest common denominator. And here's the un interesting thing. The essence of democracy, or one of the essences of democracy, is that everybody's equal before the law. Unless your last name's Clinton. Or let me tell you something. <laughs> if they had enough to indict, they would have indicted, you know. Uh, so you think, are you saying that Epstein hung himself? Do I think Epstein hung himself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. Why did he even have his shoelaces? So he could hang himself. But aren't they so, supposed to take those from you when they book you in the jail? Oh, absolutely. That's negligent. You know, look, who knows what this guy did? When you're oh, claiming, it's, so, it's, when you're it's claiming somebody, obvious. wait a minute. Come on, it's When you're obvious. claiming somebody was murdered, you have to have some proof of it. You just can't say he was probably murdered because he knew this and this and this. And Correct. That. Okay. Correct. It's just speculation. Correct. And, and when you get in a court when you get in a courtroom, speculation is bullshit. But don't you make rulings based on the what evidence you have before you? That's right. And the and, evidence is never a hundred percent. You mean a ruling? You have finding, to you have to connect the dots, right? That's what they do in court. They connect dots. Well, there's different standards of proof. Okay, there's a by a preponderance of the evidence. Uh huh which is, let's say, 51% more likely or beyond a reasonable doubt, which is 90%, just to put a percentage on that people can understand. So can you prove that Epstein hung himself or didn't he, or was murdered? Whatever we can't prove it. Okay, then, then don't talk about it because it's silly. But if you there's can't a prove, lot of people wait, wait, on if you death can't prove row. It, a lot of people don't matter. You know, the elements of proof are the elements of proof. But there's a lot of people on death row with insufficient evidence and who later on get uh, get get uh, uh, found innocent when DNA evidence is, is presented and they Correct. get off that. Right. So, but those people were sentenced to death. Correct. Based Correct. on insufficient evidence, just because they drew conclusions from whatever information they had before them at the time. And, and the jury was able to reach a finding. Well, yeah, the jury, the I mean, who doubt. the fuck is the jury? The jury is a bunch of random people, most of whom probably haven't even graduated college. They don't understand psychology. They don't understand the flaw in human perception. They don't understand that eyewitness testimony is bullshit. Uh, and here's what. And who are driven by biases and emotions. Correct. But here's what people have said about the jury system. Or, or people have said pretty much what you said is this. It's the worst system in the world to determine somebody else's guilt or innocence. Except for every other system. Except for every other system. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? No, I'm aware. Go to trial by combat? You know, I, you you know you in, I'm for it. Tuck you in the water <laughs> 10 times, you know, and if you, if you survive your innocence, there's, there's really nothing else to do. And who gets to determine it? You know, and, and the jury pools are typically within 100 miles of a jury, you know, of a courthouse. They bring them in, and you get to ask questions to see who's biased against you, who's prejudiced against yes. you. And, and, and it's an attorney's duty and job to pick out the least biased jury. Right, right. Win, lose, or draw. That's what you want. Now, 
there could be overwhelming evidence against an individual. For example, extracted false confessions. You know, all the jurors are sitting there thinking, well, they could have beat on me all day, but I wouldn't have confessed. You know, so they'll sentence a guy, they'll, they'll find out that, you know, well, it was an extracted confession because the DNA now proves somebody else different. We have a developing system. It's a dynamic system that keeps evolving, you know, and it helps us not only determine the guilt of a party, but also the innocence of a party. And what I don't like is when, for example, DNA evidence comes up that says a guy's not guilty and the prosecution still continues to say, oh, yeah, but there's a, no, you cut the guy loose. Uh, you shouldn't, and when DNA first started exonerating people, a lot of prosecutors and judges fought it. But yeah. now most of, the, most of the prosecutors and judges get on board with it. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not a problem anymore. Just pull that sucker it's not a problem you. anymore. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely correct. Just as much as DNA has helped us put bad people away, it has also helped us exonerate a lot, people yeah. who are innocent. Now, sufficiency of the evidence is a very flexible, it's a very flexible standard. You know, is the evidence sufficient? Appeals on sufficiency of the evidence are very seldom won. Because appellate courts will go, well, the jury could make that determination. Especially if your client took the stand. The jury could, then the appellate court could say, it was a matter of credibility. You know, the client took the stand and the jury didn't believe him and found him guilty. So it's not sufficiency of the evidence anymore. It's credibility. So as a trial lawyer, do I put my guy on, you know, and create an out for an appellate court to say, sufficiency of the evidence doesn't matter. It was a matter of credibility. The jury didn't believe the defendant when he testified. All these things are a constant play in a, in a trial where somebody might be convicted for serious offense. So you have to weigh all those things in each and every case. Yeah. You understand? For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's it, it's an imperfect system. I got. Do, do you know who Alex Jones is? Huh? Do you know who Alex Jones is? Yeah, yeah. I, I got to show you this. this he's clip. fucking nuts. <laughs> he's pretty nuts, but he's right about a lot of stuff. I got to show you this clip. Uh, where's the audio? Why is there no sound? There we go. I got to replay it. <laughs> I got to replay it. That's a fantastic remix. <laughs> It'll just restart right now. Hold on one second. Let me replay that. Hold on. I, I got it kind of late. Right there. Okay. You've been talking about on your show is your allegation that government officials are aiding in pedophilia, child trafficking, and the grooming of children, right? What do you mean, like what Jeffrey Epstein did with Clinton's? He's nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, come on, Epstein's Island. Huh? Like, it's so obvious what they were doing there. What? On Epstein's Island with the Clintons, with the Clintons and Bill Gates. They're over there just having a party with little kids. Not necessarily. Look, look you know, I, I, I'm not sure I believe all that bullshit. No. You well, know, what little, do you think they're doing there? Huh? What do you think they were doing on the island? Oh, they were partying. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm in Colombia. Okay. 
All right. I'm in Bogota, Colombia, talking to some people from the Restrepo family, and they invite me out to dinner. And I'm having I'm having dinner with a drug boss. Okay. A Colombian drug boss. And he says, I got two girls coming. Two girls show up. They're 14 years old. Mm. They're all dialed up. And I'm looking at him. I go, I, I look at this guy. I go, what's this all about? And the girl that he ordered for me is a 14-year-old kid. And I said, no, I don't do children. And the girl turns to me. She goes, why do you want an old lady? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> So I give, I pull out, a, I give her a hundred and I give the other girl a hundred and I tell her, go home. And I tell this guy, don't ever do stupid shit like that again. Mm -hmm. You know? Man, I mean, the girl told you, what do you want? The girl was egging 14 year old wow. girl. I asked her how old she was. She Jeez. was fucking gorgeous. How many dudes has she fucked for her to talk to you like that? I have no idea. But she tells <sighs> me, terrible. what do you want an old lady for? Wow. Huh? Wow. That's crazy. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, number one, I'm not going to do a kid. Number two, is this a trap? Is this some kind of thing that they can hold over me in the future? Jeez. You understand? So, yes, it exists. Of course. Well, of course of, it of exists. Course it no, exists. there's no doubt. Yeah. But I'll tell you something. None of those girls in that island were taken there by force. They're all sold by their parents. Oh, they all have a little girlfriend in high school that says, "Let's let's possibly. go make a couple yeah, hundred yeah, bucks." Possibly, some of the weekend. some of them most likely, but and, and what still, I'm trying it to say still is, doesn't make it. Look, I mean, but just because your parents sell you doesn't mean it's okay. I mean, that's where the government should step in, right? That's why we have child protective services. Absolutely, yeah. and no, no, it should be against the crime. It should be against the law. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we should and we should all be mindful of protecting minors that way. Yes, but in terms of pedophilia. I just recently had a pedophile guy, you know, and I got into the pedophilia mindset. And approximately, I forgot what percentage of the men in the United States, something like five to seven percent, have pedophile pedophilic tendencies that they like young girls, you know, or or children. And only about no, I take it back. It's about 15%, one five percent have pedophilic tendencies where you're six, a 16 year old girl and you're sexually attracted to her or 12 year old girl or a seven year old girl and you're sexually attracted to her. But only some like 5%, five to 7% of men in America act out on those, mm -hmm. uh, on, on those feelings. Of course, of course. Okay. Like, I've seen some hot 16 year olds. I mean, everybody has, Yeah, everybody has. there's good, there's attractive 16 year old girls. I'm not, I don't, I, it does. They like it to me. It's like I'm attracted by a grown woman. I'm not attracted to a, to a. I just look at them. I'm like, ah, oh, you're dumb. You're a kid. But but no, no, but, no, you, no, but you no, can't no, say no, they're not beautiful. Uh, uh, that's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, my grandfather hooked up my grandmother when she was 15, and he was sure. 30. My mother got married at 17. All right. So I mean, do you understand? It's yeah. well, and throughout history, people were wed or got married when they reached puberty. That was the indicator that you're ready to for, for childbearing, and that's when a lot of uh, And why would happened. you want a young wife? Do you know why back then? Higher chance of uh, successful reproduction. No. Because they used to die in childbirth, and you had to replace them. 
Mm. Well, there's a lot of that too. I mean, throughout, throughout history, yeah. war killed most men and childbirth killed most women. Yeah, there you go. So it's, it, it may be part of human nature, but you know we have to protect. That's what laws are for, to protect people who need protection. Yeah, for sure. A human being requires 18 years of caring and nurturing before a college or the military or another institution will take them off your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? But we let them vote. It's crazy. Right. You know, and, and they have to be educated and, and, and taught and cared for and nourished and, and nurtured, you know, until they get so they can be self-sufficient later mm -hmm. on in life. You know, and we all have a duty to protect that. It's part of our societal duty. We, we, we have a lot of benefits. We also have a lot of duties and responsibilities. And so, you know, but that going back to that island, there was no need to commit illegal acts on that island. I'm, I'm positive that was hooker heaven, you know, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and like the Playboy Mansion used to be. But there were no miners at the Playboy Mansion. Correct. But there's, I don't was, know whatever The Playboy this, Mansion was a very overt thing. This thing yeah. was kept in secret for a long time. Well, yeah, because famous people didn't want others to know, you know, I'm married to Hillary Clinton. Right. I don't want her to know I'm spending the weekend <laughs> yeah, did over. You, did you, you see know? that? There's, and, a, there's a meme I came across recently that was hilarious. It was a picture of Bill Clinton in the Oval Office, just sitting at his desk like this, smiling. And the meme says... And I'd said something like, there's a generation of people who understand that there were, there's more than one person in this picture. You can only see him, but like, you know, it's implied that there's of course another person under the desk. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. Hilarious you know. meme. Yeah. Poor Monica, you know, <laughs> why but, poor Monica? What uh, happened to her? Yeah. You know, he's banging a chubby chick on the Oval Office desk, you know, but why poor Monica? I'm not, well, because of the treatment she got when they found out that Bill Clinton was doing her. And that thing, I never had sex with that woman just because she gave me a blowjob. Well, you know, you you go home and tell your wife you didn't have sex with the next door neighbor because it was only a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see she, how far that she gets She might you. be understanding. I don't have a nah. wife, but if I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it ain't going to happen, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, if I if I get accused of uh, infidelity, I'll just call you and let you handle the conversation. <laughs> just deny, deny, deny. <laughs> well, good yeah. thing I'm not married. If you get home at four o'clock in the morning, just rip your shirt open and say, "Don't pay the ransom, honey. I escaped." <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your everyday carry now? I know nine millimeter, but is there a particular gun you like? Yes, uh, I like a Sig two two six. Okay, so same or gun, just Sig two two nine. 226 is a big gun though doesn't that get annoying to carry all that i carry it with a clip draw i don't use a holster yeah and the reason i carry that sig is because when i tuck it into my waistband i can put my thumb over the hammer and as i'm tucking it in i'm making sure that the trigger isn't getting pulled so i was about to ask you a very important question which you just answered indirectly because i'm familiar with the gun you're talking about i was going to ask do you have a single action only 226 or is it a single double and based on what you just said it's a single double right why double action why not get a single action only um 
I, I, I really don't know why. Um, you know, at a certain time, it's the manual of arms. When you have a single action, well, a single action's got to know. What are you talking about, a single action? A 1911-style single Correct. action? Yeah, so SIG 226. With a thumb safety and, and a web of the hand safety? Yeah, so you carry it cocked yeah. and locked. So Six Hour makes a 226 SAO, single action only right, version, right. where it's single action. So you have to rack the hammer if you want the gun to fire. Mm -hmm. So those guns are always equipped with a thumb safety. Because you're going to have the hammer back and the safety on, which is what's called cocked and locked, yeah. just like a 1911. 1911, I think, is the best at it. The, the, the SIG SAO does a good job with it. I had the SIG Legion 226 when they first came out. Really liked that gun. And uh, it, had, it had a thumb safety. And I went with the single action only because, to me, it makes absolutely no sense to have a double action first pull. So for people who don't know what that means... Double action, I'll just make it real simple. You're going to have a very heavy, very long trigger pull before the gun goes off. Ten and a half pounds. Which is way too much. You want you want your carry gun probably somewhere in the neighborhood of four pounds and a competition gun somewhere around two and a half. That's, that's where my race guns are set to. Uh, from the factory, uh, I believe my STI, for example, I think it comes at, uh, at two and a half pounds. And Glocks, for example, out of the box come at five and a half pounds. Correct. But four to five pounds is a good, good, uh, a good weight for the for the trigger for a carry gun. Ten is just ridiculous. The pull is way too long. It's way too hard. And as you're dragging with that much force and that much distance, there's a lot more room for the gun to move just a little bit off target, and then you end up missing the target completely. I agree. So, with so that's why I've always been. I, I care. I got a double, a single double for a little while. My first carry gun, as soon as I turned 21, I bought a SIG 228. And then after about a year, I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why would I have a really long first pull? Your first shot that you fire in a self-defense scenario is probably going to be your most important one. Correct. Guess what? You just have to get good at it. <laughs> but you're never going to be as good as a single action draw. I, I agree. I agree. But, you know. You just the like reason it. I don't get a SIG with a thumb safety on it is because it doesn't have a web of the hand, web of the hand safety on it. If they came with a web of the hand safety, I would get it. You mean like the back of a 1911 has that thing that pushes in? Correct. But, what, you, but if you have a but if you have a thumb safety anyway, what what difference does it make? Here's the deal: I carried a 1911 for years. Yeah. I started carrying a 1911 when I was 15 years old. Yeah, you shot some guy who was trying to kidnap you, right? Or, no, no, you no, were, I stabbed you, him. They stabbed him. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I was afraid of him. He was a legit gangster. Uh, so I started carrying. I That was my first gun. I went on and bought a gun because this big grow. I was 15 years old and a grown up gangster was trying to threaten to murder me. Yeah. Yeah, you've told the story one time yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. So anyway, what happens is. Now I'm in Vietnam. That's my sidearm. Right. Yeah, the U.S. military carried those for like 75 years. From 1911 to, to 1986, I think, is when they switched switched to the Beretta 92. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I was in, my Navy service was 54 to 68. I was in Vietnam in 65, 66, and 67. I was carried in 1911. And when I first started in Nam, we had M14s, and I was there when we switched to a 
M16. Just I, I, sorry, I gotta remind you, are moving way too far away from okay. the mic, and you're fading out. So okay, you I'm can sorry. grab this thing and pull it with oh, you. Okay, move, that's fine. But no, just keep it in front of you. Well, what I was saying is, when I yeah, started that, that in Vietnam, we had M14s, yeah. and then my third tour is when we start went to the AR uh, M16s. My point is that I always had a 1911, but I always carried it hammer cocked, no thumb safety. Mm -hmm. I never used a thumb safety. That's unorthodox. Absolutely. But I always relied on the that would make me hands. nervous. I wouldn't like to carry a, a 1911 without the safety on and the hammer cock. That would make me nervous. And I'll tell you something else. I never used a holster in civilian use. I mean, when I was a kid and I was carrying it for 15, even halfway through my military service, I was used to thumb safety. Then one day I had it stuck in my waistband and I pulled it out and I realized that rubbing up against me had turned off the thumb safety and I was just relying on the grip safety. I said, well, that's good enough. So I would tuck the gun in to my waistband with the thumb safety on, and once it was tucked in where I wanted it, I would flick off the thumb safety, and it would just come out, and I was ready with my, you know, three-pound three trigger pull. If you were going to carry a 1911 today, would you carry that same style? Absolutely. I always did, because I carried a 1911 up until about what? Almost the year 2000. And I always carried it, no thumb safety. I always relied on the web of the hand safety. I always used the thumb safety to tuck it in. And I've, I've had people tell me you were nuts. And yes, I was. But I never had a problem with it. I, I mean, that's good. I'm glad you never had a problem. I never used a holster. Oh, I used a clip draw. So it was just a little clip that you, you know, tape onto your sidearm, stick it in your waistband, and why, why why don't you carry a 1911 anymore? I love those guns. I, I do you, too. I love those guns. I love a 1911. I gotta. We talked about we gotta go shooting one time because I want you to try one of the Wilson Combats. The Wilson Combat 1911 is the finest 1911 on the planet, rivaled only by Nighthawk. Nighthawk is the only brand that can say they make a 1911 that can compete with a Wilson. Now, well, okay, that's not true because. I, and I've never tried these guns, but supposedly Springfield has a really high-end 1911, like $5,000, which I don't know who would pay $5,000 for, for a Springfield pistol. Supposedly those supposedly those are really good too, like up there with Wilson in quality. But to me, a Wilson, you can get a Wilson for $3,000. Why would you pay five grand for a Springfield? And I just don't think it can be better than a Wilson. But uh, I have the uh, Wilson Classic in stainless steel. And of course, 1911's got to be 45. Anything else is just blasphemy so i, I no, a, i agree with you 100 <laughs> yeah i have a, a, a wilson classic polished stainless steel in, in, in 45 and it's an absolutely gorgeous gun i was trying to find a picture of it so i could pull it up but i couldn't find one and then i have the uh, wilson x-tac elite and they're both just incredible <laughs> there was a point i had 11 1911s and then i'm down to them? four why <laughs> what'd you get I, I they're they're safe queens i don't use them I don't carry them. Uh, you know. I carry my Wilson sometimes. It's just the only issue is the reason I don't carry it always is because it's heavy. It's all yeah, steel. Yeah, that's, that's, you get lazy. Well, it's just a heavy gun. It's a big gun. It's heavy. I can get more 
rounds in my mag in a much smaller package in something like a Glock 48, I can have, I can have, I can carry two extra rounds, nine millimeter, not 45, but still I can have two extra rounds in a much smaller, much lighter package. I mean, a Glock 48 is tiny, single stack, easy to conceal. Yeah. I love a 9, 10, 11. Yeah. I'm going to tell you some stories about 9, 10, 11s. Uh, I was a team corpsman, right? And every time we executed an ambush or got in a firefight, I would have first take care of any of our guys. And we work with PFs. I always had a little guy, an interpreter. Mm -hmm. His nickname was Pussy. All right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, short little guy, spoke English and spoke Vietnamese, of course. Now, when you go out after after you whack a bunch of guys, when you jump them, you know, you set off your claymores, if that's how you're going to start your ambush, and then you open up at knee, knee level to make sure that anybody dropping down gets whacked on the way down. Mm -hmm. But now you got to go out and somebody hollers, you know, you, you, the patrol leader hollers, search team out. And what you do is you go out and you take a look at the, the dead guys, you cut the patches from their uniform, you take their IDs to find out what unit they're from, who's operating in that area. My job was to look for still alive enemies who we could capture. Right? So my little interpreter would run out along with me. We, he had a tarp. And he would go out, run out screaming, boxy, boxy, boxy. That means me, uh, that I was a doctor. And he would tell whoever could hear among the wounded that I was there to help them. I was going to cure them. And I, he walked right here. He walked at 1 o'clock from me as we walked toward where the bodies were laying to see if anybody was still alive. And if anybody was still alive, he would open up a tarp, you know, a camouflage tarp. And with a red flashlight, I would work on the individual with my Unit 1 medical kit. I would try to stop the bleeding. I would try to keep the guy alive. Now, I had my Unit 1 in one hand, and I had my 1911 in my other hand. Because some of the guys would say, come help me, but they wanted to take you with them. Mm. Some of the guys thought, didn't care. They just wanted to keep fighting, even though they were wounded. So when we, as we approached these guys to try to take a prisoner that could be interrogated by intel, you know, it was always a chance they would try to kill you. Had that 1911 in my hand, you know. I used it at least anywhere from six to ten times on guys up close. You know, guys are going to try to help, and they're reaching for a hand grenade, you know, or, mm. or they're, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're, they're reaching for a sidearm, or they're reaching for their, you know, SKS or their rifle, whatever they had. You know, you just put a bullet in their head. Up this distance. How old were you when you were doing this? Like 18? 18, 19, man. <sighs> 20. Jeez. Yeah, I know. You can't go into a war zone before. I joined it within a month after I turned 17. I was already in when the Gulf of Tonkin incident occurred. So they didn't send me until I turned 18. And I did, you know. Now, 
you seem to believe a little too much in the government. I don't. What, well, what's all the stuff you always make fun of, like conspiracy theories and and you see, like, I, I from your Facebook post, I feel like you have a little too much faith in the government, which I always thought was ironic, given that you have talked about what a bullshit war the Vietnamese War was. Yeah. But you, like, whenever I ask you something that challenges uh, government actions, you seem to dismiss it. You're like, no, that can't be true. No, that can't happen. No, they wouldn't do that. No, there's no evidence. Unless it's Trump. If it's Trump, then he's guilty of everything. No, no, no. <laughs> no, what I believe in is proof. I have a logical mind. Uh-huh. You know, you can, suspect, that yeah, you can suspect all sort of shit, but unless you have some evidence. Let me talk to you about conspiracy. Okay? Okay. All right. You and I could sit here all day long and plan on how we're going to rob a bank. Look, we're going to go downtown. What you have done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not in the United States. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> let me just clear that up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not in the U.S., All right. okay? And the statute of limitations is long over. But... <laughs> But the point I'm trying to make is you and I could talk about robbing a bank all day long. Is that a conspiracy? No. Just planning. Uh, just just shooting Jamie, shit. Monday we're going to go downtown and we're going to hit uh, the Bank of America. Oh, we're doing it. No, no, no. no yeah, I'm saying we're, let's do it, man. You know, in, in today's Saturday, we're going to go on Monday. Okay, we're going to meet there at 10 a.m. Uh, we're going to wear ski masks. We're both going to have guns, and we're both going to run in and jack the Bank of America. I know they're going to have a money delivery there. The money truck shows up every Monday. I've already looked at it. You know, we're going to make half a mil a piece. You're down? Yeah, I'm down. All right. Is that a conspiracy? The I answer, don't know. The answer is no. The answer is no. Why not? Because we haven't taken a substantial step toward the commission of the crime. That's our freedom of speech. That's our bullshit freedom. Freedom of bullshit. We could talk <laughs> shit all day long. Right, right. All right? Now, let's say we do that. No, no, no. Monday comes around. You call me up and say, you ready to go? I said, I can't make it, man. You know, my wife won't let me out of the house today. <laughs> she thinks I may rob a bank, so I can't go out. So, all right, let's do it Wednesday. Okay. Right? Is that a conspiracy? No. But guess what? Monday, Jamie, you go buy the bullets. I'll go buy the guns. Once it comes around, Jamie, you ready to go? Hey, man, I got a cold can. Yeah, me too. Shit. Okay. And my wife won't let me out of the house anymore. Okay? Is that a conspiracy? Yes. Because we've taken a substantial act and the substantial step toward the commission of the conspiracy. We, you went out and bought a gun. I went out and bought the bullets or vice versa. That's a substantial step toward the commission of the act of robbing the Bank of America. Now we've committed a conspiracy. Even though we don't go through with it on, on Wednesday, we've still committed the act of conspiracy. You don't have to go through with it. You have to, com you have to plan a criminal act and take a substantial step toward the commission of it. 
And that's what creates a conspiracy. Well, what also creates a conspiracy is a bunch of people believing something and repeating it over and no, over again. No, it's like, not a conspiracy. That's a conspiracy theory. All right. But a legal conspiracy is when you commit, you plan to commit a criminal act and you take a, quote, substantial step toward the commission of that act. If you never take that substantial step, you didn't commit a conspiracy. It's that simple. That's the defense against the conspiracy. Well, the other thing is, I can't conspire with a government agent. Let's say you're a government agent and you talk us both into going to rob the bank, right? You're, you're an FBI agent and you say, Ken, let's go rob the bank. I go, cool. You buy the ammo, I'll buy the gun. I go out and buy the gun, you get the ammo. And then I'm arrested for the conspiracy. I can't conspire with a government agent or an informant. It's got to be with another individual. So when people talk about conspiracies, you know, they're talking out of their ass because they don't know the legal standards of what it takes to prove up conspiracy in court. Everything, everything everybody talks about is bullshit. This, um, it's conspiracy theories. Correct. But a lot of those end up coming true, end up turning out to be true. I mean, okay, you were right. You so, know, so, so, was, so what, what's so so the what do argument? You do? You get a Cupid a... fucking doll? You know, you get a little price and say <laughs> I was right about the conspiracy? Because two no. guys, two guys in the, in, in, in the FBI decided to talk a bunch of knucklehead farmers into revolting against the United States and taking over a post office in Podunk, you know, Iowa, <laughs> right? Well, do you believe in the 1911 conspiracy or conspiracy theory that Building 7 was blown up because of the way it came down without being hit with anything? No. I mean, what's the elements of proof? I mean, what's, I the, mean, what's, what's, the, what's the elements of not of disproof? You don't have to prove. You don't get to disprove. I, I understand that, yeah. But, but the point is, all right, how do you prove something like that? You get experts to testify. I can't tell if that building was blown down. You can't tell. Correct. So we talk we, to structural we engineers. We can speculate. Yeah. So you talk to structural engineers. What do you think? So how do you prove things up in court that nobody knows about? Well, it doesn't even have, it doesn't even have to be in court. I mean, there's all kinds of silly conspiracy theories out there, like like the moon landing. People who say that we never went to the moon. I'm like, okay, fine. And then the flat earth people, <laughs> like they say that we're being lied to and all the pictures of the earth that are taken by satellite are bullshit because the earth is indeed flat. Well, that's, <laughs> like, that's the one we all make fun of because that's the most obvious. Uh, not to everybody, apparently. Well, but, you know, look, if you're a flat earther. A flat just, earther would make fun of you for thinking uh, that You're, that's you're just obvious. trying to get attention or you, you know, you're just trying to get laid by some flat earth jerk. I don't jerk. know. I think Eddie Bravo really believes it. Who? Eddie Bravo. <laughs> Who cares? I, <laughs> I mean, uh, well, you hear that it, guy gets it, fired it, up when he talks about it. Wait a minute. Some, I don't think he's bullshitting. I don't think he needs attention. He's got plenty. He's already famous. Listen, some, some guy from bumfuck Arkansas believes a certain thing. I don't know why you keep picking on Iowa and Arkansas. Why are you picking all the hillbilly okay, states? Okay, Alabama, <laughs> Florida, Texas, New York. Okay, now we're talking. You know, believes, How about North Dakota? Can we go North Dakota? 
Is there such a place? <laughs> Do you think it would be a good idea to let's like section off a state like North Dakota, for example? Not the whole state, maybe just like a part of it. Because nobody goes to fucking North Dakota anywhere. Like I've never, in all my life, I've never heard anybody say the following words. Yeah, I'm going to North Dakota this weekend. Like, I've never heard anybody say those words. They only say so, that in the summer. I've never heard anybody say period. Just like I've never heard anybody say, I'm going to Maine. Like people don't even think Maine's a real place. So <laughs> would it be a Not good in idea? Texas, we don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what if we section off a state, like a small state, like Rhode Island, let's say. We just we put a giant fence around it, and then anytime there's a mass shooter or a rapist or something like that, we just put them in there. No jail. They all can roam around freely. But we just put all the mass murderers and rapists and the most violent criminals in that state. We just let them figure it out. You think that would be fun? We could stream it on pay-per-view. Well, I think that would top the yeah, Super Bowl. The, the people who live in that place and call that place home might have some objections. Well, obviously, we'd have to relocate yeah. them. And the concept of federalism. Of course, we'd have to relocate The concept them. of federalism. Look, all states have are individual No, but do states. you think it's a good idea? Like, just from a marketing perspective, like a TV a show, market, like, like no, a reality TV show. No, no, you put them on, you put them on ships offshore. Or like we could just build a fence and look, pick, I don't know, X amount of square miles in Alaska, like somewhere, somewhere where there's plenty of open land, Wyoming, there's so much open land in Wyoming. We just build essentially like a giant UFC cage, basically, and we just let them all ro roam around freely in there. Well, roaming around free is called camp. You know, if you get sent to Latuna, which is nearby and you're a nonviolent offender, and it's typically your first offense, like a drug offense or something like that, you could go to the camp. There's no, there's no jail. There's no, there's no gates there. You know, you live in a barracks. Uh, you can walk away from there. Yeah, I know. I just, I just think it would be a great reality TV show. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying oh, to get, I, I'm oh, not trying oh, to get oh, technical. Actually, I think it would just be great. Be. Like imagine all the Ted Bundys and Jeffrey Dahmers of the world just in, in, like, I don't know, give it a hundred square miles, let's say. Just put them all in there, not in jail, build a giant fence so they can't escape back out to the rest of society, but just let them roam around freely. Yeah, they, let them it's do called their Florence, thing. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum security. Uh, I, think it, I think that would be a great TV show. I think Bud Light would sponsor it in a heartbeat. They might be able to recuperate some of the lost sales if they did that. Bud Light? Yeah. Well, you don't know about the Bud Light thing oh, that yeah. recently happened. Definitely. They've lost, I don't know, like thirty billion in sales. I don't remember the amount. Of something. But I hear they're recuperating. You know, they're what? not recuperating shit. And then Miller Light, those morons did the same thing, and they, they're they're going down. They're going down the drain. They're losing billions. Uh, and it, Gillette did the same thing. The crazy thing is Gillette did the same thing a little while ago, and nobody learned. Nobody learned the lesson. They all keep like, oh yeah, we're gonna do a marketing campaign for a product that mostly straight men buy and we're just, we're going to put a tranny as a representative of the, of the product. And then the sales just tank Gillette lost billions, Bud Light lost billions. I'm pretty sure it was Miller light was the other one that lost billions. I'm like, who's running these companies? How are these ads getting approved? I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. But you know, shit. it's, it's, they, they want to bend over backward and show that they're, that they're inclusive, you know, 
the, 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 the <laughs> yeah, inclusive but, the LGBTQ but marketing, uh, XYZ community. But marketing has never been inclusive. Marketing is product specific. I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> you don't you know, market. Yeah. You imagine marketing whiskey to a bunch of Saudi Arabians. You know what I mean? Like, like you get a bunch of Muslims who don't drink or Mormons and you market whiskey to Mormons. They're going to tell you to get fucked. Like, we don't drink. What are you well, doing? Well, you know, <laughs> you know, gay guys have to shave their legs. So you can, you know, yeah, I guess so you so. can sell them razors. I guess so. Well, well, straight guys shave their legs too if they're swimmers. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But, that, but that's a, that's that, a fine line. That's a, that's a that's a very yeah, that's a very, it's niche, a fine very line. niche thing. Very niche. You know, but but this whole thing just <laughs> just because somebody pitches, you know, the LGBTQ for uh, community, yeah. everybody else reacts against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's my take on it: uh -huh. if you're that worried about somebody else's sexuality. It's because you're not sure of your own. It, well, yeah, maybe, but nobody you is know, worried about anybody's sexuality. Well, well, I mean, this whole apparently, thing you know, you have all these guys. Oh, they, they had some guy dressed in drag, you know, drinking Miller Lite or Bud Light, a TV commercial. I'm, I'm going to boycott that. It turns you off as a consumer because it's like, okay, I like to work out. I like to have a good physique. I've had abs my whole life. I've been in shape yeah. my whole life. Uh, so I, was I'm, I I'm until not, about I'm not, 50. I'm <laughs> not going to go to a gym. I'm not going to go to a gym that has a bunch of pictures of fat people in it because that's not what I'm striving to be. That doesn't, that doesn't resonate with, with the, with the, the, the goal that I'm trying to achieve. It's marketing. It's, it's, I like, agree. It's poor marketing. Obviously. Yes. Yeah, so, it's poor marketing because it resulted in economic loss. Huge. You know? Yeah. But you know, who would have expected that people would react you know, to some some guy in a dress you, you like that. You don't know your 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 as the VP of sales, as the VP of marketing, rather. You don't know your base audience. You don't know who you're marketing. Who are you making an ad to? Well, I think those guys are probably for. looking for a job. <laughs> yeah, probably. I wonder if they you get know. fired. Actually, but, but who gives a shit? Who gives a shit if well, some the, guy the in a dress does. is drinking or shaving? The you know, the consumer does. The consumer gives a shit, even if you don't recognize it. it it's occurring subconsciously. That's why we. That's why we buy the things we you buy. You know, it's cultural biases, you know, and, and when you pitch a product, you have to pitch it knowing what the cultural biases and reactions may be, you know. I mean, you, you don't have a guy, you know, with two 11-year-old girls, you know, under his arms, you know, dressed like hookers, drinking Bud Light. On a sports car. You know, car because ad. everybody goes, that's a pedophile, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, fuck that product, Yeah. right? Yeah. But and, and it's the same thing. But who would have expected that American society in this enlightened age, you know, would say, oh, there's a guy drinking a beer. I like that beer because there's a guy, <laughs> that guy's wearing a fucking dress. I'm going to quit drinking the beer I like. That's uh, consumer behavior. You, and, and you that's just correct. described it. That's but, it. you know, who would have thought? That's what that show Mad Men was about. Consumerism. Correct. Kind of. I mean, it wasn't really correct, about that, but that was a part of the show. And, and what is it that they're pitching? You know, I, if if I'm running Bud Light, am but, I am I going to say am I going to be all inclusive, or am I going to keep my no? But we've known this forever. Look, if McDonald's came out with a TV ad and there was a bunch of flies on their cheeseburger, nobody would go to McDonald's anymore. It that's that's marketing. Like it's just well, if you're pro flies, you might. It's fine. <laughs> Ten people will continue eating. There at you McDonald's, go. That's, no, I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. It's just marketing. It's not that people give a shit about trans or straight. It's that it's. Just, no, it is. It's marketing that doesn't appeal it is. to the population it, of your of to, to, to your it consumer is exactly population. 
about who gives a shit whether so. you're trans or straight. I don't think so. Because guys who say, I'm not going to drink Bud Light. If I walked into, like, look, I like wearing nice suits. I buy, um, let, let's say I walk into an Armani store and I see a guy in there with a boob job and, and just like, you know, makeup on and, and he's modeling the suits. I'd be like, oh, you know, I don't know. This doesn't look that good. I'll probably leave. I might, I might not. I mean, I've already, you know, maybe, I don't know, but it's marketing. Like you want to see, <laughs> your marketing has to speak to, to your, to your population of consumers. And when you violate that, you're going to have a loss in, in sales. Well, marketing creates a certain self, it, it appeals to a certain self image. Yeah. And I think like, have you ever seen a whiskey commercial that's, that's aimed at women? No, because women don't drink whiskey. That's a shame. Have you ever seen a champagne or a rosé commercial? I don't even know if they have those. That's aimed at men. No, like mimosas. It's all those women drinking mimosas at brunch. I fucking hate brunch. I don't know. It's such a woman thing. Women love brunch. I've always said that. Wait, wait. Like the best thing, like I was dating this girl last year, and it's like the best thing she could do for me is go to brunch with her friends and leave me the fuck alone. I'm like, I do not want to go wait 45 minutes in line for a, for a waffle. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. Man, my old lady took me to some place <laughs> out on the west side. Fucking hour. What was it called? Uh, I forgot the name of the joint. I was Jeez. so pissed. Women, fucking, women have no. You know, fucking hour. To get a fucking hour walking, sitting there to get a fucking. You know, you're right. Yeah. To get you know, a I mean, the food, food we could have gotten it. You know, and, but women and, love it. Men, women brunch to women is like football to men. Don't you say that? It's a sport. <laughs> brunch is a sport. Yeah, it's a piss off your husband by making him wait in a fucking line. I kept going, hey, let's get out of here. We know oh, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I, no. I leave wait, restaurants. wait, wait. I was here last week with my friends <laughs> and we had a wonderful brunch. The omelet was so good. good. Yeah. Oh, motherfucker. Jesus hey, Christ. <laughs> get me the fuck out of here. I'm thinking to myself. You know, I swear yeah. to God, if there weren't people oh. around, I would have slapped my old lady. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, get me the fuck uh, out of here! Jesus Christ, let me go, man! Uh, Please, God, you know, uh, strike me dead. <laughs> just say you're joking, so this episode doesn't get canceled by YouTube. Uh, he's joking, people. He wasn't actually gonna slap his wife. Oh, of course not. <laughs> no, my wife should kill me in my she, sleep. She'd slap man. you. No, no, my old lady would cut my throat in my sleep yeah. if I ever raised my hand to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't. You're a gentleman. You wouldn't do that. You're a um, you're a chivalrous man. Absolutely. And you protect your woman. I protect somebody else's woman. Sure. I've anyway. stepped in when I've seen guys, you know, abuse women in public. Of course. Of course. You know, matter of fact, my buddy and I, Ken Stevens, who's now deceased, former Green Beret, kicked the shit out of a guy one time when he was beating up his girlfriend. You know? Good for you. Yeah. I'm glad. That, that, that's what needs to happen. And then, you know, my father, when he was probably, ah, he was a teenager, he uh, stabbed his best friend for cursing out my grandmother. That's good. Cool. That's valid. Yeah. Like, no, like you don't. The old country? Like, in Lebanon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I mean, 40, how old is my dad now? My dad's 71, I think. So, you know, we're talking a long time ago, uh, 55 years ago. 
I got to tell you a great story. So yeah, the guy, it was his best friend and he, they were hanging out and he just said something. He's like, Oh, you know, fuck your mom, you know, whatever you son of a bitch, whatever. And my dad was like, my dad stabbed him. He's like, you don't, cause especially in middle Eastern culture, you don't disrespect somebody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you you don't, you don't you're talking about my mama. That's a death sentence. Like there's no, you want your mama jokes in the middle East. <laughs> yeah. There is nowadays in some part, like some people who are trying to be all hip and, 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 and progressive. But for the most part, somebody old school, you see a guy who's like over 50 in the Middle East, you you just don't mention his mom, his sister, his wife. Don't mention any females because you're getting you're you're gonna get fucked up. All right, my one yo mama joke. Okay. All right. Your mama so fat when she sat on a quarter, a booger came out of George Washington's nose. <laughs> That's my but anyway, I gotta tell you this story. I was home on leave from Vietnam. Okay. And 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 I was standing at a bus stop with my mom was a beautiful woman, you know, Hedy Lamar type, right? Hedy Lamar, Elizabeth Taylor type. You know, gorgeous woman, even though, you know, until she, she passed Hedy, away. Hedy Lamar, was she the one who invented the yes. binary code? Yes. Or the computer code, one of yeah, those. One of those two. Yeah, yeah. You know, beautiful, bright, intelligent, beautiful women. Huh. So I get on the bus. I'm 18, 19 years old. My mother kisses me on the cheek. There she is. Huh? There she is. is there she her? is. Yeah. That's Hedy Lamar. My mom looked like that. So uh -huh. anyway, the bus driver looks at me and goes, boy, that's a good looking old lady you got there, boy. I go, what? He goes, yeah. If I had a mother in like that, bye, 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 bye. I say, no, no, good looking girlfriend. I go, that's my mom. He goes, if I had a mother like that, I'd be doing this and this and this. So I looked at this guy. I couldn't believe what he said. Right. So I grabbed him by the collar and I started punching the side of his head. Right? There's a CTA bus in Chicago on Devon Avenue. It's got to be 1965, 66, right? I beat the shit out of this guy. He's screaming. And my mother's, my mother's still by the bus window. The bus doors were closed. My mother's pounding on the doors. And she's screaming, leave my boy alone. <laughs> leave my baby alone. Don't hurt my son. I'm kicking the shit out of this guy. I, I fucking, you know, I think I broke his jaw. You know, then I got off the bus and I opened up, I opened up the door and walked out. It's, you know, don't talk about your mom. No, no. Respect no. the guy's mom. No, in the Middle East, I mean, that's a, that's a serious, serious offense. Just disrespecting any woman, period. It's like they, like Middle Eastern men are taught to defend, like that, that's their honor. Like their woman is their honor. See, if you disrespect their woman, you disrespect their honor. How do you train your sons to do that? Well, you, I think you talk to them about it. You raise, a, you raise them with that mentality. I've got five sons. You know what my advice to them was? Hmm. Never be bashful. Never be gross. Never be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Never be bashful around a woman. All right? You don't know if she'll like you or not until you're there. No, but never be disrespectful. Never be gross. Mm -hmm. You know, That's never, never be offensive. Yeah. You know, and, and you will always have success with women. Even if you just make a friend, you know, just don't be gross. Don't be disrespectful. Always be gentle. Always be kind. Always be thoughtful. You know, and, and you'll get along with women for the rest of your life. And it's always worked for me. I get along with women everywhere. You're a ladies' man. No, no. I'm just I'm just uh, not a ladies' man. 
You're respectful. You're you're. I mean, you've met my family. You've met my mom, and you've met my aunt, and you're you're just you're a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what you have to be. But you can't be disrespectful. You can't be, and we all and know you're socially intelligent enough to censor yourself. Like the way you you talk with me when we're on the podcast, you're telling stories. Is when you if you were to tell a similar story or the same story in front of a woman who you just met, you would censor yourself. You would leave out some details. You would change the wording a little bit to make it appropriate for the for the for the social setting. Absolutely. And that's what you got to do. Yeah. And, and that's social awareness. Yes. You know, and if, if you don't have that, you, you don't have shit. Correct. Yeah. If you can't read the room, you're, you're not going to get very far in life. Most likely. Now you, you wrote a piece about PTSD soldiers and PTSD. I was trying to find it. I was, I scoured your Facebook, but it was so long ago. I couldn't find it, but it was a great article. I guess you could call it an article on um, veterans and PTSD. And it was really long. I remember bits and pieces of it. I think you ought to repost it on your Facebook so people can go read it if, if they're interested. But basically the beginning of it, you said something like, it's not about whether or not you have PTSD. It's about what you're going to do about that. How are you going to live with it? And then towards the end, you closed by saying something like, if you, I can't really remember the words. Let me see. I have it here somewhere. Actually, I want to get the exact wording. Um, let me find it. I should have pulled this up. Um, if you claim that you can't read a book due to your war induced PTSD, but you never even read a book before the war, well, shit, maybe it wasn't the war that made you stupid. If you claim you can't function in the world due to your war-induced PTSD, but you've never, but you've been smoking weed every day since age twelve, well, shit, maybe it wasn't the war that made you stupid. Is your wife calling you again? Your phone's ringing. Oh, I, I'm hard to hear it. <laughs> well, you Still here, have, baby. <laughs> she needs to just come. Just bring her with you next time. Yeah, babe. <laughs> I'll call you as soon as I get out. Bye. I'll be, I promise to be home by four. Um, actually. Here, I should put that on the screen so that people can see it. It's very well written. I think I saved it to my notes. I was trying to find it on your Facebook so I could uh, I could um, display it, but I couldn't couldn't find it. I think you ought to repost it. So anyway, what I wanted to ask is, what, um, how like when you say that at, at such a young age you realized what was happening, you realized you were experiencing PTSD. Like what gave you, how did you think of like, okay, like I know what's going on. I'm just going to deal with it. Was there a mentor? Did somebody, did somebody tell you to do that? Did somebody tell you, give you a heads up? Like, look, this is what's going to happen. You're seeing some horrific shit. It's going to have effects on you. You're going to have to live with it. How did, how did you arrive at this kind of mentality? Historically, man has been in warfare ever since we stood on our hind legs. Mm -hmm. There's always been warfare. We are a violent species. We've always made warfare. I'm not the first guy who went to war and saw dead bodies. You know, ancient, ancient tribes, before we were uh, hunter-gatherers, we saw that. You know, um, I'm 76 years old. I have a bad bone spur right now, which will eventually go away. 
I'm getting chemo for cancer. I've got false knees. I've got replaced knees. I've got replaced hips. Yeah, and here's the thought I have. If this were 100,000 years ago, I would be left behind. Sure. Because I can't keep up, and the animals would eat me. Because I wouldn't be a me- member of a tribe. It's that yeah. simple. Yeah. No, that's human nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's human nature. All right? Now. I mean, really survival of the fittest. Correct. If you can't keep up, you, you get left behind and you, and you die. Mm-hmm. We've evolved, not mentally, not physically, but technically. So that at 76 years old, I could walk around wearing a gold Rolex and a gun at my side. So I can survive. Just we live, sorry, I just live pull, in a society. Pull, pull I live in a society where I can still go to work every day or sit in front of my computer and make money. Yes. We've developed technically, but not emotionally, not biologically, not socially. Okay, because old people still get left behind when they become useless. You know, that's still the practice. How so? How do old people get left behind? Well, you know, they they go to assisted living. They 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 quit functioning in society. True, true. I go to the VA and I see guys my age all withered up in wheelchairs. Yeah, they sit there in in the um, the adult care center and play right, right. play bridge or, for or they've worked years. their way. You know, they've worked their way into handicaps, parking by overeating. <laughs> Which I think is thoroughly unfair. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm full of shrapnel. I got a plate in my back, a double knee replacement, a double hip replacement. I got uh, scars all over me from from being wounded. You know, and I got some guy. You know that that ate his way into handicap parking, and he's <laughs> he's beating me out of my spot. And I go fuck him. You know. <laughs> you know? And, he, and guess what? He's got PTSD because he's too fucking fat to tie his shoes. So I, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a theory about that. That's why Crocs are so popular. <laughs> and here's the other thing. You know, I'm not the only guy who's been through war. Yes, men have been through war forever, forever. You know, and and and, and you you go to war. You come home, if you're lucky enough, you put down the sword and you pick up the plow. And that becomes part of who you were. You know, I I love the Odyssey. Because what the Odyssey teaches us is that Odysseus goes to war for 10 years. He takes 10 years to come home. But that's the Odyssean trip. Where you leave your world as a young man, you go out and experience the other world, then you come back to your community and you're better off for it. And you are more of a benefit to your community for it, regardless of how long that adventure takes. That's what the Odyssey is all about. You know, you, you're out there and you come. You just did that. You just left your community. You went out there and now you're back. That's the Odyssey. At some, to some degree or another, all, all young men should experience that. Yes. You know, now, I know guys who never, who never smelled the powder. Who never heard a bullet ring in their ears, you know, who were never impacted by a bullet. 
Or even been in a fist fight. Or or or, or, or even been been smacked or, by their father. No, no. Or who never even went. I'm talking about PTSD. Okay. Who never even went on a patrol. These guys are the cooks, the 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 truck drivers, the supply guys, the office pogues. You know, now they're claiming they're PTSD because they were near combat. So that's bullshit. Right. That's a way of getting a little bit of extra money. Yes. That's a way of saying, feel sorry for me, because that's a way of calling attention to yourself. I don't think the, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to, this is a stupid thing to say, but I don't think you should qualify for PTSD treatment or medical leave as a soldier, unless you've been in combat. Cause like, what the fuck else did you get PTSD from? Well, let me, let me tell you what it is. Takes 10. It takes nine men, nine, nine military personnel to keep one guy in a combat zone. Now out of those guys in a combat zone, one guy in a combat zone, maybe out of every 10 guys, Maybe five guys are effective in a combat zone. Five guys can fucking figure it out and look for it and fight and get the job done. And it takes habituation. You get habituated to combat. You get habituated to seeing dead bodies. Yes. You get habituated to death. You get habituated to losing friends. You know, you get habituated to seeing a corpse that you know was a human being with friends with family, you know, I, I remember opening up that guy's wallets, you know, and, and because there's a rule, you take out the picture of every female in a dead guy's wallet, and I'm talking about American dead. You take every female picture. I don't care if it's a photograph of the Virgin of Guadalupe. You dump it because you're going to send his shit home, and there's no pictures, of, and you're looking at this guy, and you see him with a wife and two kids, and your heart breaks. Mm. You know, because he's not coming home. And the same thing for an enemy soldier. You look at an enemy soldier who's dead and you're going through his shit, you know, to see what unit he worked with. And you find a picture of him and his parents. And you go, well, how are those people going to feel when they find out their kid is dead? It's a bitch. It's, it's, it, and, it, and, and you just get used to it. You just get used to it. And it, and it brings a certain seriousness to your life that doesn't exist in any other form, you know? And, and when you you execute an ambush and you're looking at, at men who are your age, just kids, baby teenagers, and you go, shit, they're never coming home either. And it's always a somber moment. Mm -hmm. It's never, it's never difficult, but it's never easy. It's always somber. It's always reflective. And, and you know what you wonder? You say, when is my parent going to get... When is my family going to get the notification? When is my wife going to find out I'm not coming home? Right. And, and and it's always within you. And I remember going out every day. Every day I went out on patrol. And at about 5 o'clock, I know I'm going out on patrol at dusk. The fear starts coming up. And you just got to swallow it. You just got to swallow it. You got to say, fuck. You know? And sometimes, sometimes it just gets to you real hard. But you just got to fucking swallow it. And you fucking get, line up, you know, and out you go. And your patrol, and your ambush, on whatever it is you're going. And I'll tell you what that does. That can cause PTSD. But you get used to it. And you know what else happens? All that fear, 
all that remorse, all that stuff, it's a catharsis. It's like sticking your head, a finger down your brain, and you puke it up. You know what that catharsis is? This is, may sound really bad, but you're standing over a dead enemy. And you look down and you go, yeah, fuck you. I got you. Mm. You didn't get me. I won. That's the catharsis of combat. If you don't experience that catharsis of combat, you know, then you come home with PTSD. Now, the guys who have a lot of PTSD are the guys who are in combat zones but never experience combat. And they say, hey, oh, shit, I'm a cook, but what if, what if we get raided? What if we get mortared? What if we get rocketed? You know, living with that kind of fear, that, that's worse than actually going out. You know what I did once? I actually put my foot on a guy's chest and went, ah! <laughs> and it was a catharsis. Yeah. Fuck you. I killed you while you were trying to kill me. You know? In, 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 but all the other feelings don't go away. All the other feelings of somberness, all the other feelings of how are his parents going to take notification of his death? You know, does this guy have kids that are going to grow up without him? Is there going to be a little boy saying, my father died in the war fighting the Americans who invaded our country? Right. You know, and what am I doing here? I don't give a fuck. I'm here. And the, and that's all that counts. Yeah. Once you're on the battlefield, it's you or them. It's, it's you don't even wonder why you're there. It's just there. You're right, right. You know, everybody knew it was bullshit. Everybody knew we were in a bullshit war. Everybody, you know, 90% of the guys I knew do were rooting for the, for the protesters in the U.S. Do you think that affects soldiers' psyche more, knowing that you're not actually fighting for a proper cause? Like, if you're actually fighting for something that you truly believe in, maybe that helps with PTSD a little bit. I think that like the last guys who thing. had the luxury of fighting something they believed in were the World War II vets. They were really saving the world from evil. They were really saving the world from evil. When I was in Vietnam, is if we don't stop them here, we'll be fighting them on our shores. And that's bullshit. You know, what are they going to do? Roll up to Los Angeles in a fucking sand pan? You know? <laughs> you know, give me a fucking brain. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, anybody with half a brain. Now, there were guys who really, oh, they're communists, and we got to fight them. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, you know? Yeah. The last couple of high-end suits that I bought, I'm talking about $1,000, you know, work suits, you know, made in Vietnam. I have a Vietnamese granddaughter. You do? Yeah. My son married a Vietnamese a woman who was born in Vietnam. And they had a daughter. I've got a Vietnamese granddaughter named Lily. She's 13 years old. I'm surprised you don't have kids overseas. Huh? I'm surprised you don't have kids there overseas. There was no sex in war. No? No. No, I mean, we weren't in the cities. We're in the bush. Yeah. You know, I try to hit on a couple of local girls, but got nowhere. Nowadays, these soldiers get deployed to Korea. They have the time of their life. They what? 
soldiers nowadays, American soldiers who go to Korea, they have the time of their life. Oh, well, yeah, you know, because pussy's cheap over there. Right. <laughs> oh, when I was in Okinawa, you could get laid for $5, you know, and beautiful Japanese girls, yeah. you know. and, and You're and, talking prostitutes or you're talking that's what the cost of a, taking a girl no, prostitutes. dinner was? Okay. It was $5 short time, $10 all night, you know. So you could stay all night with a girl for 10 bucks or, or you know. That seems like a bad business move for the girl. All night for ten dollars, short time for five. Because you could do like, you could make like thirty bucks in a night if you just go from, if you have multiple, yeah, yeah. if you have multiple customers. Well, I never questioned it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking from a business perspective, the all night or it's got to be like at least thirty to make it worth it. No, Okinawa, Japan, it was five bucks. But this is the time. These are the days. You know, you could go to Okinawa, and you know. You get a steam bath for a couple bucks and a massage for a couple bucks. And then you go, you know, then you go get laid for five bucks, you know, and then you go have a filet mignon for two bucks. Sounds like the yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's pretty cool. It's pretty good living, man. <laughs> I, you, you know, know, you know what I always think about? What? It, it, all these people with their insomnia nowadays because they just don't get off their ass and they're not tired and can't fall asleep at night and they're staying up looking at TV and all this shit and they say they can't fall asleep. I always think about like how good did people sleep back in the day when wars were fought with sword and shield and you spent and you went out onto the battlefield and you just fought a war and you had spears and arrows launched at you. You survived. You came back to the castle, wherever the fuck you're at, your village, whatever. You got drunk, you had a feast, you banged a couple of prostitutes, and you passed out. That has to be the best sleep ever. It is. <laughs> it is. You know, you go to Okinawa, you know, or you go, uh, or you go to. I'm listening. Something just happened. Go ahead, I'm listening. I'm listening, Kevin. I'm, I'm listening. Just something happened to the camera. Okay, it. yeah. You go to Okinawa, and, you know, the first thing you do is hit the skivvy, you know, hit the steam bath. Um, you hit the steam bath and a massage. We're good. You know, then you go good late. Then you go get a, a great meal. And you go back and crash for 12, 13 hours. You like this whiskey, huh? Woodford? Woodford Reserve? Yeah, that's some good shit, man. That's a good stuff. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. I don't know how I found out about it. I think I saw a billboard on the freeway and I went and tried it. It's pretty good. We're almost through with this bottle. Got another one over there. That, that one's a double, what does it say? Double something. Do you uh, smoke cigars or are you just a whiskey guy? I'll tell you something. I love smoking. I can't smoke because I got fucked up once. Mm. But I love a good smoke. Man, when I'm in Vegas, I wanted to have a cigar with yeah, you. Yeah, no, good, good. let's get one. Fuck you want to have a cigar? Yeah, yeah, I'll make an exception for you. Okay, but I'll tell you, an it's gonna be my thing. first cigar ever. No, I've shit. never smoked a cigarette. I've never oh, smoked fuck a cigar. you. Come on, man. And I'll tell you an interesting thing. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna grab it. If I'm in fucking Vegas and I see a guy smoking a cigar, I'll follow him like a dog following a female dog in heat <laughs> just to get the fucking just whiff the of the scent? cigar. Oh, that's awesome, you know. Okay. Uh, you guy will think of some kind of queer following him. <laughs> you know, is All it, right. is it, so I don't I don't know anything what do you about got? well, I heard that these are great. These Which? are H. Upman. 
Yeah, Upman's are good. I heard these are fancy. So there's a there's a, a gray, orange label and a green label. Which one? Yeah, you like? give me any one. Right, I don't know. Shit. I don't know. I've never smoked a cigar. Here we go. Here's the color. No, here's, here's what you got to do. And here's the lighter. You got to kind of. This is going to be. You this, got a good humidor there. Uh, well, I just picked these up last week, so they they should be fine. And there's a. I got some kind of a thing that you put feel in the them. box. Feel it. You got to feel it and make sure that it's not dried out. Okay. If it starts crumbling in your hands, it's fucked up. Right. I have a couple other yeah. ones that uh, and uh, were, that my sister gave me. Actually, and here is a Old Navy vet, and here's how you clip off the end of a cigar. Okay. You see these clippers? Please teach me. Fuck these clippers. You should buy it off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's how you clip it off. Okay. Well, I'm Go not, ahead. I'm Be not, not, not going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to use the clippers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to take this off too, no? I think I need to get all this. Oh, here's the here's the matches. Matchbox. And here's what happens to me with a cigar. Okay. The fucking smoke goes up my nostrils and gives me an allergy reaction. That smells good. I'm not. Oh, that's. Oh, that smells good. Oh, they're fucking great. I'm telling you, I, I'm in Vegas. I see some guy at a casino smoking his cigar. I'm following him around like I want to pick his pockets. <laughs> you know? All right, let's see. How much am I supposed to cut off the end? Just a little bit, right? Just a tiny bit. Okay. See that? Never done this before. Yeah. There you go. All right. You know, uh, that's you got too much, but too that's much? cool. Okay. You know, Benchmade, that knife company, Benchmade, they make fantastic knives. They have a cigar cutter too. It's like $600. Oh, sure. Yeah. Would you mind passing me the, the matches? Mm. I hope there's no smoke alarm in here. <laughs> We're about to find out. <laughs> There's some good shit, man. You got okay. Just please keep. Don't burn the microphone. <laughs> no, I'll try not to. <laughs> yeah. Mmm. Mm. Fuck. This is good. All right. <laughs> don't inhale. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try not to. Let's see. This, this if is you first. start coughing like a little girl, mm -hmm. that means you inhaled. Okay. Every man. Every no man. Do this. Roll it around. Roll it. No, you got to puff on it. You got to suck on it. Well, you gotta toast it first. Yeah, puff. Yeah, you gotta you gotta draw it in. Look, turn it like this. Ugh, I don't know how to do this. Okay. No, you didn't get it. Well, you're you're working on it. <coughs> it's not even lit. I don't know how to do this. It looks like I just burnt it. How do you? But how do you supposed to? Well, first of all, don't hold it like a dick. <laughs> hold it between your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hold it, hold it between your fingers like this. Okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, As Freud said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah. I, I think I need another match. Uh, yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. Look, turn it. Okay. It hit the edges. Mm. I'm the cigar. Some some important life lessons right now from Kendall. I smoked cigars for years. Yeah, oh. this is my first time ever holding a cigar or a cigarette. I've never smoked a cigarette. I probably never will, but I've been wanting to try out a cigar. I'm afraid I'm going to burn the microphone. Uh, just turn. Oh, there you go. Now you got it. There you go. There you got it. You got it. 
<coughs> okay. Wonderful. Only thing better than this is sex. <laughs> it may be a good shit. <laughs> <laughs> what about smoking a cigar while you're having sex? Women don't like the smell of cigar. I have a friend. I have a friend who was fucking this girl doggy style while smoking a cigarette. She told him to put the cigarette out in her ass. What a woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh what a woman. Is it still burning? I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. Oh yeah, I can see I when I look at the camera, I can see the flames. You know, I've been I don't understand how you're supposed to not inhale though. It just don't. It's different than a cigarette. Right. It it takes some getting used to. Right. You know? Yeah, because like I'm trying to puff it, but I can't tell if I'm doing it correctly. Mm. Let it out slow. Okay. Don't don't blow it up. Okay. Just let it come out normally. Let me try. There you go. Let me see if I still got can do this. <clears throat> I thought I was gonna be choking on it, but no, these are smooth. You're trying to do circles. <laughs> Can I still do it? Uh, uh, not really. Uh, the first first couple. Try again. Let's see. Yeah, not bad. You got some skills there, Ken. <laughs> uh, this is good. Yeah. I do like the smell. I gotta say. Oh, it's a great fucking smell, isn't it? Not only that, you know. That's not enough. Hold on. I yeah. got to take, take a minute. And you know what it does, right? You know what a good cigar is for, right? Hmm. You scare bugs away in liberal women. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, women that can't women that can't handle a gun. <laughs> oh, this is quite an experience. So I've had a um I've had a little experience with nicotine. Now, look, don't leave your hands open. Hold it like this. There you go. I've never held a cigarette or cigar. I'm telling you, so I don't, this is all yeah. new to me. Yeah. You need to avoid holding it like a dick. <clears throat> That's all you got to do. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because <laughs> then your friends will make fun of you. That's, uh... <laughs> That's, That's good advice. So I've tried nicotine just in the form of gum. In fact, last year was my first time ever having an experience with nicotine because I was going on a hunt. Uh, your your phone's going off again. C could you just put that on vibrate or silence it? You could you could tell your wife to tune in. She could keep an eye on you. I was going to uh, I was going turkey hunting last uh, spring, and I got up at like four in the morning, three in the morning. I had a long drive to get to <clears throat> the turkey hunting spot. And I was uh, I was just out of it. I was drowsy. I was sleepy. So I stopped by the gas station to fill up. And I said, you know what? Let me try this nicotine gum. And that shit had me wired. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I'm getting coughing a little bit from this now. But, yeah, that nicotine. Well, I ate four pieces. I think you're only supposed to eat one. I ate four pieces. And that was my first ever exposure to nicotine. So I was like, whoo, it, it, that lit me. Better than coffee. Better than anything. I feel a little buzz with this thing right now. Really? Mm -hmm. No, that means you're inhaling it. You're not feeling any effects? No. You don't get like some kind of nothing alertness? Nothing. You don't feel more? No? Nothing. Awake? Nothing. I just remember my grandpa. 
Hey, look, you got to learn how to hold it here. With your teeth. Out of the side. That's oh, the front. You actually bite it? Yeah. Slight bite. Mm-hmm. There you go. See that? Without, 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 put it in your mouth. Take a little bite with the side of your teeth. Mm-hmm. Take a sip. And let, no, no, don't touch it. I can't do it as well as you. (laughs) 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 Oh, is that fucking hilarious? I'm just happy to be smoking my first cigar with you. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) We're having a cigar and a whiskey, like a couple of, uh, I don't know, a couple of something. (laughs) No, no, man. Hey. But these are good, huh? It's one of the pleasures of being a man. There's certain things we do that are man things, and and a cigar is one of them. I love cigars. I'm I'm not kidding you. What are no. the other things? Huh? What are the other things? Fighting, combat. <clears throat> I'm not sure. Uh, I think all men. I think all men should be trained. I agree. In the combat arts. Totally. I don't think you actually have to experience combat. Uh, but I think, I think at the very least you should know some martial arts. And and, and not only that, but you know, in the use of arms. Yes, I agree. Do you realize that the use of arms used to be an exclusive thing for the upper class? You know, if you were going to be a knight, you had to pop for a horse. You had a pop for a saddle, you had a pop for arms, you had a pop for training, you know, and it was an exclusive upper class thing. The invention of the firearm democratized self defense. You know, we talk about the dangers of of but there's no we know don't 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 take the ash off. Okay. See see how long the ash can get before it falls off. I, yeah, I would like to avoid having the ash fall on my equipment. But, no, but, it's not gonna. It's not gonna <laughs> okay, happen. But go you, ahead. Got, you got about another half inch to go. Okay. Okay. You got about another half inch to go. All right. You know, I remember the day. Hold on, hold on. You were saying that firearms were for the upper class, and then yeah, now everybody has it. And, and firearms democratized self defense. You know what else it democratized? Poor people being able to take your shit <laughs> with a firearm. <laughs> God made man, cult made him equal. Well, you know, well, we talk about arms, you know, let's say handguns or rifles for self-defense. Guess what? Those same firearms, those same guns and rifles allow poor people to take our shit. Of course. You know, that's the other side of the coin that nobody wants to talk about. Well, but it also allows the <laughs> physically defenseless people to have the ability to protect Correct. themselves. You know, I mean, when was the last time you saw a herd of Mongols coming over the ridge? It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and guess why? Because we have machine guns. Isn't it funny that at the start of that stuff, uh, at the start of uh, firearm development, arrows were way more effective than rifles. Like if you, if you could, if you were proficient with a bow and arrow and you had to f- go to the battlefield with that or with a musket, I'm taking the bow and arrow every time. Well, when we the first, native Indians would fuck people up with bows and arrows, and they could hold because they would hold 
they would hold multiple arrows in one hand and they could rapid fire on, Correct. off horseback. Correct. Well, while you're loading your musket, particularly the Comanche, you know, and that's why when you have one shot, when you have a pistol with one shot and you have a, a musket with one shot, you don't want to spend that because once you spent that, they were all over your ass. Right. Now, let me ask you this at the start of the podcast. This is actually a perfect time. To, to go into this topic. Your phone's ringing again. No, it isn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hang on a second. Oh, my. <laughs> Seriously. Jesus Christ. So at the start of the podcast, uh, before before we start the podcast, you said to ask you about learning how to learn. And so I'm learning how to smoke a cigar right now. I think it's a good time to cover that. Hang on a second. Okay. Ken's getting another call from his wife. Yeah, make it. He's texting her. She really misses him. No, there's actually a client in jail. Keeps calling me. Um, I mean, a client's wife. The guy's in jail. Tell her, tell her to watch the show. She can ask you questions in the comments. Yeah, no shit, huh? Mm-hmm. This is good. I say good. It's a good cigar. I mean, I got to. I don't. I don't. No, know. no. You got the right. You started off right. Well, so I heard this guy Tristan Tate. By the way, I want to ask you about him and his brother in, in a minute. About the uh, 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 the case that they just went through in Romania, they were uh, they were incarcerated for a while, <clears throat> pending investigation. So, but anyway, he was um, they they smoke a lot of cigars, and he's talking about H. Upman's are his favorite. He said um, Gohibas are like the go to for people who don't really know cigars but want something good. It's like ordering a Dom Perignon, whatever that one's called, Dom Don, yeah. Don or Dom 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 Perignon, right. He's like, that's kind of like ordering that just to show off. Like, oh, look, I got a Gohiba. Is it a Gohiba or Cohiba? Cohiba. With a C. Cohiba. Yeah, Cohiba because they're Cubans. Uh-huh. And they were illegal in the United States for a long, long time. And then when we began trade with Cuba for a while during the uh, some guy's administration, uh, the, the, a lot of them came in. Okay. You know, but Cohibas were supposed to be the, the best cigars ever. Um, and there's, there's a great story, you know, cigar, cigar factories are all over Hispanic myth. You know, they say they, that women used to roll them on their thighs. Right, right, right. I've heard that. You know? And, and that's why they were so That's smooth. why men would lick them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, but I've smoked Cohibas. They're too strong for me. You know, I like, uh, Maduro's, uh, I like, well, Oh, it's been so long. I forgot the brands that I smoked. Um, but these are these these Hubmans are smooth. great. I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to. It's my first cigar, so I don't have. <clears throat> I don't know. It's like you need a you need a point of comparison. I got to have one that's worse, and I got to have one that's better, so I can. Now, yeah, you'll experiment on, a little while, you know, sure. and then you see how nice that ash is now. Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe a little bit more, and we'll be ready to go. Oh, I think I just inhaled a little bit. Oh. <laughs> that burnt my throat yeah. a little bit. <laughs> so, okay, learning how to learn. What did you want to talk about? You said to tell you to talk about learning how to learn. One of the things that our schools don't teach is how to learn things. Very true. They tell you things, but they don't teach you how to learn things. Um, I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh my youngest son uh, was not a very good high school student. Uh, he got through, you know. Uh, he didn't go to college, 
But then he got into aviation. Your right? son, Daniel. Yeah, Danny. Yeah. Who's now 30 years old. And all of a sudden, he began learning shit. You know? And when he was into it for about a year of his flight training, he began telling me, you know, how excited he was. And I said, you know what you're doing? You're learning how to learn. Because he knew he was going to be tested on everything. And he had to get it right. You don't get you don't go through air, you know aviation school without getting it right. So all of a sudden he so. had a great motive and he was learning how to learn. Mm-hmm. He said, "Dad, you know I'm having to read this stuff two or three times before I get it." Yeah. I go, "That's perfect. You're learning how to learn." <clears throat> and I remember in law school, you know I went th- I went through college. Like it was nothing because I was well-read as a kid. Yeah. And I ended up with a degree in English literature and half the shit I read, you know, while working for my degree. I'd already read in high school. I had read, I had already read the whole Bible. I'd already read some of the classic English poets. I, I, I knew this stuff. So I didn't really have to learn. You know, I just had to review it. And I, it wasn't until I got to law school that I had to learn how to learn. And what I did was I developed a system and I would use a ruler and I would have the ruler and I would read the lines and I would use the ruler underneath each line. And I wouldn't go on to the next line till I understood the line that I was just reading. And if I had to go over it three or four times, that's what I had to do until I got the concept of what I was reading. And it's called critical reading and critical thinking. It develops critical thinking. Which most people don't have, unfortunately. Huh? Which most people have, unfortunately. Well, you know, that's because we're, we're a nation of uneducated people. You know, and, and we live in a society where you think your feelings matter. Ma- yeah. Not just matter, but are the utmost thing. <clears throat> yeah. Which is a bunch of bullshit. If you want to raise a kid on the path to self-destruction and to having a shitty life, you raise a kid teaching them that their feelings are important. Especially men, especially boys. Anybody, I think. I think you have to separate feelings from fact. Yes. You know. Uh, you're almost there. You're almost there. Almost there. It's just it's stressing me. I keep and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, yeah, fall. it's stressing you, right? And I'll tell you an interesting thing. I don't thing. want it to fall. On and, my and I'll tell you the an interesting thing. Uh-huh. The sign of a good cigar is how long that ash is going to last. Oh, okay. All right. And that's why they have to be they have to be kept in a humid environment because if they dry out, they're going to be too brittle. They're Absolutely, and you'll feel it right apart. away. It'll right. go up your nose and fuck you up. Right, right. Yeah, you'll be inhaling just shit so i'm learning how to learn right now i'm learning how to smoke a cigar how am i doing you're doing good man not bad yeah you got the there you go look all right guys look we're gonna fucking do this see if you can talk (laughs) with a cigar in your mouth you're doing good Uh, all right we're gonna go to fucking trial on this they got shit on you (laughs) all right Yeah, I've been curious about cigars for the last couple of years. I just didn't. There it is. Um, oh, the ash just fell. Yep. That's what I was trying to avoid having it there you on go. the table. Click it. I think 
You're nope. about to, nah, not, not quite. falling. Yeah, that's pretty good ash right there. It's that's not pretty good yet, ash. But I didn't burn it evenly when I lit it. So like on the backside, there's a little more support. There you go. Oh man. Oh, it, it just fell. Uh, yeah, see? There we go. Making progress here. Yeah, you yeah, had what? You had an inch of ash. This is messy. I need to get a bigger ashtray here for oh, this shit this is, is messy. There's ash everywhere now. That's okay. No, I cleaned up my ashes. <laughs> just leave them there. Leave them there. I'll I'll no, 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 I no, 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 just leave. I'll wipe the table after. It's fine. Just leave them there. This is fun. I'm old enough to remember where we could smoke in courtrooms. At airplanes. When I was a kid, there was a smoking section on airplanes. Yeah, but you could never smoke cigars in airplanes. Just cigarettes. Yeah. The fuck is that? That's some bullshit prejudice. Yeah, that always made you sit in the back. Yeah. Smoking section was always in the back. When I get on an airplane nowadays and it has ashtrays in it, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's old an old airplane. Like, get me yeah. off this thing. <laughs> 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 you yeah, know, is this thing going to hold up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they probably just have new engines because the body will last a very long time. The body, the wings, the wings on an airplane are almost indestructible. On a commercial plane, those things are ridiculous. Um, yeah, but, you know, the the body, the, the, the stress, you know, will work on it. Right. So this is what I wanted to talk to you about, about the Tate brothers. I don't know if you're familiar, Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate. So they were held in jail in Romania. Why are you laughing? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so they were, trip. they were held in jail in Romania under what is called preventative arrest because they were suspected of being the crime that they were suspected of as human trafficking, some variation of, of, of that, whatever that means. But they were held in jail, I think, for something like four months, and then they were released on house arrest for another two, three months. And I think their case just cleared up. They're off house arrest now as of uh, yesterday or, or, or the day before. But it got me. I've, I've, I've been telling people for a long time, and this was a great example of how awesome the presumption of innocence is that we have in America. You're innocent unless proven guilty. Over there, under what's called preventative arrest, if you're suspected that you might be a harm to someone, they can just place you in jail while investigating your life to see if, in fact, you are a bad person. Yeah, <clears throat> they it's, took. I mean, they took months out of these guys' lives, put mm -hmm. them in, put them in solitary, the whole thing, and 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 then turn. Then now they're they're free. Now they're fine. Yeah. Well, you don't you you don't go to another country and act up. You know that's just fucking dumb. Well, they weren't acting up. I mean, they've lived there for a long time, and they've been suspected of being involved in certain illegitimate business practices because they used to run an, uh, a company that uh, like they, they managed these girls on OnlyFans. These girls had OnlyFans accounts <clears throat> and they were managing them. And so I don't know. They were, I mean, how, how they're so rich is, is, is there, there's a little mystery to that. There's a little bit of mystery to that. Just like uh, some people still Talk about Dan Bilzerian is like, well, you know, he says he got all his money from poker. A lot of people are are not convinced. And about what? Know, Dan Bilzerian. He's another he's another famous internet guy. I'll show you his profile and see if I can pull it up. It's hard to well, do let the, me, it's hard to do the podcast, work the cameras, and pull up Instagram accounts. But I okay, look, give me a second. There you go. But let me tell you something. You see that door? Uh huh. As long as a girl can walk out that door, there's no human trafficking going on. 
Well, so he was accused of using the lover boy method to get these girls to work for him. On, That's fine. On OnlyFans. But, That's fine. Which is not a crime. Which is not a crime. They're saying that, like, oh, these girls were brainwashed. You know, he made them fall in love with them and then he told them they got to do OnlyFans. He's a pimp. The money. He, I guess pimping would be the yeah, crime. Yeah, right? pimp. Yeah. You know, but guess what? You see that door? Mm-hmm. I could get up and walk out, right? If you can walk out, it's all yeah, good. Yeah, and it's imagine here. You know, if, if me saying, Jamie told me that I couldn't have the cigar and drink the whiskey unless I stayed there. Right. You know, I was I was reading something. Look, I saw something. Real quick, this is Dan Bilzerian. Let me, let me pull it up on the screen. Super famous mega baller. The guy's just a mega baller. That's Andrew Tate. This is Dan, the guy with the beard right here. That's Dan Bilzerian, this guy. He's jacked. He was actually, he went through Navy SEAL training twice. And this is just, like, he, he just has a crazy life. I'll just play this clip. He just has a crazy life. He's a mega baller, this guy. It's ridiculous. Look at that. So his father, he's Armenian, as you can tell by the last name. Anytime you see the last name, a last name that ends in I-A-N, that's Armenian. And his father was a gun runner, super rich billionaire gun runner who got arrested. He got popped. I don't know what happened. I don't know the details of the story, but his father went to jail. And then this guy emerges on the internet X amount of time later. And he says that he made like a hundred million dollars, some crazy amount of money playing poker. And then he bought the mansion and the plane and started throwing parties. And I mean, he's super famous. I mean, look at his Instagram. Oh, I know who they are. 33 million followers. It's crazy. Listen, they got a shtick, and they sell. He it. does have a shtick for sure. You know, and they sell it. Mm -hmm. Well, he's selling every young man's dream. As you know, I mean, like Dan Bilzerian, like what fifteen or sixteen year old doesn't watch that video that I just played and think, "Gee, you know, I want to have that life." Yeah, like, I wanna, this is this. I want to have abs, abs and babes. Correct. You know, and shitloads of money, and I mean, just look at it. Like, look at his life. It didn't even seem real. This is crazy. Yeah, but what do you think those this girls is, are there? Well, they're there because they're brainwashed or because they're making money. Because they're making money because they're traveling the world on private jets and having the time of their life for free. Yeah. I mean, this is fucking crazy. Like, just look at his Instagram. Like, this is an insane. Look at him right here just shooting some, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I mean, you take any 16-year-old boy and you ask him, would you want to live this life? They're going to say, hell yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's but guess what? Eventually, you turn 17, 18, and you got to go get a job. You know, and, and if they can sell this kind of dream and this kind of fantasy, uh -huh. now they're just selling, they're selling smoke. Should, should I, real quick, should I break off this part right here? No. Just, just it? light it up. Light it up? Okay. Let's not do that. You know, just light it up. When you, when you start getting that uneven burn, mm -hmm. just light up the bottom, the part that's not burned. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and these guys do that. I, I was listening to, you know, the expo say on a Hugh Hefner. And there's a set of twins in there. There were a couple of babes, you know, and they were bitching about. <laughs> Is it working? Am I doing this correctly? Yeah, yeah. Just give it a hit. Uh, that's good enough. Oh, burnt my finger. Yeah. And, <coughs> it, it, and these twins are saying, well, we had to have sex with Hugh Hefner or we couldn't stay there. Mm. But, well, you, but you could have left. There's the, there's the fucking door. <laughs> right. You know, you want the lifestyle? 
You want the food? You want the glamour? You know, you you want the airplane rides? You want the boat rides? You know? So what does Mrs. Del Valle have to do to, to have the, the lifestyle? Does she have to make you coffee every morning? She doesn't have to, but she does. What a nice lady. Oh, she takes beautiful care of me. I got a great wife. Well, you take great care of her, too. Absolutely. All her needs are met. She can do whatever she wants. She can go hiking every day, which she does. She probably spends more on on Manny Petties than 25% of the GDP of Sri Lanka. No. As a matter <laughs> of fact, my wife is very frugal. Is she really? Yeah. And my wife is very frugal. She takes, you know, she takes wonderful care of me. She takes wonderful care of the business side of me. Yeah. You know, um, she watches out for me. <clears throat> she doesn't have to make me coffee. She makes me coffee because that's the way she, I get right. home at 11 o'clock. I get home after a hard day of work. I, I get asked, what do I want to eat? Yeah. You know, uh, do I want a little shot of whiskey? She's a great wife. I have a wonderful wife. I have no complaints. Well, I got a lot of complaints, <laughs> but none of them are valid. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You can always find something. You see what I'm about. saying? Right, and right. I reciprocate. I reciprocate. You know, I treat her lovingly and with respect. You know, and we have children, and we have family, and that's and that's part of who we are as a couple. And I've been with my wife for now since '91. Since before I was born. There you go. And there she is again. Is that her calling you again? I don't know who it is. <clears throat> yeah, that is her. Are you able to, to just put the phone on silent? Do you have to go? No. It's 3 o'clock. I think you have another half an hour. Yeah. We got uh, we got the Trump case. We're still we got, here, we, we baby. Got, we got to talk about the Trump case. And uh, tell us we got to talk about Trump yet. I'll be home by 4. She's got to. Love you. She's got to come with you next time. Huh? She's got to come with you next time. Yeah. Although the cigars might drive her out. But um, so, my wife so, is beautiful. My wife is gorgeous. She's fit. She's sixty-one years old. She's got abs. She's calling you again. We can't do the podcast if the phone keeps hang, ringing. Hang on, Ken. hang on. Okay. Yeah, babe. Uh, we are being so. Watch the podcast. Today. Yeah, just tell her to tune in. Yeah, Jamie Barber. Yeah, we're still doing you, it. YouTube.com slash the Barbar Show. She could tune in live. YouTube. YouTube.com slash the Barbar Show. Love you. Bye. So listen. So let's know, talk, let's talk about the Trump, uh the Trump hearing, the Trump trial. Trump is fucked. You think so? Yeah. J just leave those, Ken. Just don't worry about the ash. Seriously, I'll wipe the table after. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy your cigar. Anyway, yeah, he's fucked. Why so? Why do you think? Why do you say that? Well, why do I think so? Because he can't keep his mouth shut. Okay. He keeps he keeps sticking his his legal dick in the ringer. You know, and and the case against him is good, and the latest indictment has been criticized by Trump supporters as an attack on free speech. And as I pointed out to you earlier in the podcast, that he could have talked all shit all day. 
when they put, if you read the indictment, it's a 45 page indictment, but it's double spaced and anybody can read it in about 20 minutes. And it reads like a crime novel. You know, here's what they did. Here's how they plotted. Here's what they did. Remember I was talking about conspiracy. Mm-hmm. When does, when does speech become a conspiracy? When you, act when you take it. a substantive step toward the commission of the crime. Okay. And what these guys did was, and, and um, Peter Navarro outlined it on, on, on a newscast. He said, the false electors in seven key states would pretend that they were the actual electors. You know, that there were actual electors. There's an, um, I forgot what it's called. It's the Electoral College Act, you know, ECA or something like that. And basically what that means is that all states have laws declaring that the electoral votes of that state, whether it be 16 or 30, each state has different number of electoral votes based on their population. Right. All right. And all states have laws that whoever wins the popular vote in that state, that the electors will cast their electoral vote for the winner of the popular vote in that state for president. And what these guys did was they set up false electors. That, that, that was a scheme. And these people try to push themselves as the actual electors, and they would present their findings to Congress. And that means that Pence could have a reason not to certify the electoral count or the electoral votes. But Pence wouldn't go along with it. And that's actually what stopped it. And not that the electoral vote would immediately go to Trump for those seven states, but that it would cause enough confusion where where Pence could say, well, we can't do it. And they would go back to the states, and the states then dominated by Republican state legislatures would say, okay, the electoral vote should go to Trump. And that's how they try to subvert the election. You know, now Trump claims that he was sure that he had won, but all the evidence points out to the fact that everybody was telling him he didn't. And everybody who participated in that, you know, now this indictment is just, I think, an initial indictment. Actually, this could be a RICO indictment, racketeering, influence, corrupt organization indictment, which is what they used to hit the mob with. And basically, it means that you you have a rec, the racketeering aspect of it. You have to have an organization. The racketeering aspect of it is to subvert or violate laws. So I've done about 12 RICO trials during my 44 years as a criminal defense attorney. So I was surprised they didn't come out with a RICO. But I, I think that what Smith is trying to do is he, by naming those unindicted co-conspirators, at any minute they could become indicted co-conspirators. So you either come and testify first. Here's the problem with RICO. Even if you participated, let's say on a scale from 1 to 10, if you participated 1 or 2, 
you could be guilty for all of it up to 10. You know, and that's the racketeering statute. Uh, I think it's uh, 18 U.S.C. 1961. Uh, the U.S.C. means United States Code. I think that's still an option for Smith to come at. You know, and I'm watching like Rudy Giuliani on TV, you know, saying this is a horrible, uh, horrible offense against free speech. It's more than free speech. Like I told you, you could talk shit all day as long as you don't take any steps or substantial steps toward the commission of the crime. And that's what these guys did. And that's why I think he's now, tough. Now, now, you really think he's in trouble or would you like for him to be in trouble? Do you, would you like to see him sent to jail? I, I couldn't care less what happens to him. I doubt if he'll ever be actually found guilty. Because I think all you need on, on any, one, any one jury is one guy to hold out, and you have a hung jury. There's got to be a Trump fan on the jury somewhere. Or somebody will be hesitant to put a, find a former president guilty. Oh, you know, true that too. Aren't there cases where they are not tried by jury? Hmm? Aren't there cases, aren't there, in some cases, like... Yeah, you can take a bench trial. If both parties agree, you can waive a jury and take a bench trial. But Trump is not going to take a bench trial. How does a bench trial work? The judge is, becomes the jury. The judge decides okay. the issue of guilt or innocence. Well, then In the, a trial, then the, the jury becomes, decides the issue of guilt or innocence. So all, for that, all that has to happen for that to take place is for both parties to agree? That yeah. they want to do a bench trial instead of a jury? Yeah. yeah. Then gonna... the question becomes, <laughs> can you trust the judge? Is somebody in his pocket? Nobody has a federal judge in their pocket. No? No. So this is where we go back to conspiracy theories. You don't think there's a federal judge anywhere who's getting paid to do some shit? I'm sure it's happened. In 44 years, I've never heard of it. I've never seen it. I've never done it. Let me tell you something. The only way to get rid of a federal judge is by impeachment in front of the Senate. In the whole history of the American judiciary, there's only been two or three judges. But you but you don't think it's possible that these people, people as powerful as, let's say, Donald Trump, billionaires, would, would put some money in somebody's pocket or threaten them somehow to make them rule in their favor? You don't think mm -hmm. that can happen ever if it's a federal judge? You threaten a federal judge, they're going to lock you up under the jail. You don't do shit like that. Threaten or incentivize. A what? Or incentivize, not threaten. But well, you know, we've... we've how, much, how much does a federal judge make a year? About two fifty. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars $250,000. Yeah. That's chump change. So when a billionaire comes around and says, I'll give you $10 million to rule this way. You don't think there's a human element that's 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 just wanting money that's just going to say, yeah, fuck yeah, all right. Um, nothing's impossible. There is nobody more bribery-proof in the United States than a federal judge. But why? If they only make $250,000 a year. Because it, it's not about the money. 
It's always about the money, no, Ken. It's, it's not always about the money. About the money. No. That's why wars get waged. That's why no, men work. No. That's why. No, that's, that's why, why they're there for life. That's why they can retire with a $250,000 a year job. Yeah, but $250,000 a year is chump change. When you look at Nancy Pelosi, who's worth how much? Like $400 million or whatever her and her husband are Every, worth? Let me tell you something. Every politician makes money. Federal judges are different. They're not politicians. They're part of the judiciary. You don't get elected. But they're humans. Humans are humans can be corrupt. On well, every obviously, level. you know, we've recently learned about, you know, uh, Supreme Court judges getting all kinds of benefits, uh-huh. you know, or getting. Like what What exactly are you talking about? I'm actually not familiar. I'm talking about Judge uh, Thomas. And what happened there? Well, you know, some billionaire has been taking him around and, you know, and yacht trips and vacations and expensive trips and shit like that, you know, and the, and all of a sudden, those same Supreme Court justices, you know, are are making decisions about cases on that involve people who have given them expensive gifts. You know, no cash, but you know, I'm I'm going to send you on a month long vacation. So kind of like what happened with uh, the what's the family, um, the opioid crisis family. No. Like what happened with them? I don't know. They made some crazy amount, like, I don't know, $12 billion. And, and then they were found guilty of, of no, well, okay, let me, let me take that back. I'm not sure exactly how the case went, but it's been proven that they knowingly pushed these drugs on people, knowing that they could cause addiction, quite possibly leading to death in a lot of cases. And a lot of people have died from opioid addiction. And then the family who came out with the, like the, the family that essentially produced hydrocodone, I think it was hydrocodone. I'm just talking bullshit right now. This this cigar's got my head spinning. Um, whatever. Let's say they made like twelve billion dollars. They ended up having to pay a fine of like three billion or something. Yeah. They kept a shitload of money. Yeah. And that's why me as a pharmaceutical rep, there's 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 the Sunshine Act, and so me as a pharmaceutical rep, I'm not allowed to take a doctor out to dinner. I'm not allowed to buy gifts to doctors to incentivize them or to encourage them to prescribe the medication that I'm representing. They just have to do, all I can do is present the information, the research, the clinical trials, and then the doctor makes the decision as to whether or not they want to prescribe it if they think it's best for the patient. But back then when they were flying doctors out to Vegas and taking them to parties and golf courses and here's a gift and take this, and you know, it's like it was, it was a totally different thing. Absolutely. And you incentivize people to, to push your product. You know, the same thing, you know, with dangerous drugs. You know, dangerous drugs have often have medicinal value, but if you push them beyond a certain point, then you're causing harm. Yeah. You know, and here's the other thing. Fentanyl, for example. Would you pass me the matches? Yeah. Fentanyl. That shit is dangerous. You know, to me it's... You know, we talk about a fentanyl epidemic. Nobody's putting a gun to anybody's head to take have them take fentanyl. You know, so if you die right. from if you die from a, you know, where's personal resp- Where does personal responsibility come in? You know, so you know, my kid becomes a fentanyl addict and eventually he overdoses. How how the fuck is that a a manufacturer's, you know, it's the same thing. Let me put it on the other shoe. What about guns? 
Can you sue well, gun manufacturers? <clears throat> you know, and it's they said no, it's people killing people, not guns killing people. Right. You know, or, and it's or drunk drivers. Did you see um um let me let me pull it up so I can get the uh so I can get the exact uh uh wording. I have it saved here. Give me just one second. I just saw this the other day. Um there it is. Drunk drivers in Texas will have to pay child support if parents are killed in crash. And look, you can see my comment right there on the screen. Yes. I also think they should have to pay for funeral costs. What do you think about that? Oh, that's fine. You called, got some, this you, law called House Bill 393 applies to those who are found guilty of intoxication, manslaughter. All right. They will have to give money to the child whose parent or guardian was the victim of the drunk driving incident. Starting from September 1, once these convicted individuals are out of prison, they must begin making these payments within a year. Once they're out of prison, why do we have to wait till they're out of prison? Well, they're not going to be making any money in prison. Well, let's let's find out if they have a 401k. Take that shit. Give it to the kids. Fuck them. Well, then the kids can sue you for wrongful death. The survivors, yeah, well, the survivors of somebody killed in a DWI can sue the actor for wrongful death. Yeah. You know, and in and, and this, well, wait a minute. And, 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 let's stop there. Johnny, Johnny Shithead, you know, who's a high school dropout in 11th grade. Now he's 35 years old. He's got two or three DWIs. Now he kills somebody in an accident. That fucking guy's making 17 bucks an hour in a good week. And you go, all right, now you gotta pay the you gotta pay for the dead people's family. I think so. Sell his right. cars, sell so, his clothes, fuck them, sell everything. You know, well, the, you who's, know, the who's first take care of those uh, kids. Look at this guy, for example, the uh Yeah, okay. So you, you sell his car, you sell his house. This guy doesn't have a house. This guy's never gonna make more than twenty bucks an hour on, right. a, on a good day. You're gonna how are you, how you going to collect $5 million from him? I think 20 bucks an hour in El Paso is considered rich. Well, he's going to be judgment-proven. He's going to work for... It's like avoiding child uh, uh, alimony or avoiding, uh, uh, you know, uh, child support. You go you get think, a fucking job for cash. Do you think if there was a comedian one time who, who, who <laughs> made a pretty funny point, he said... If the woman chooses to keep the child, can the man choose to pay child support? <laughs> Which I thought was so clever. No, you make them, you got to pay for them. You, gotta, you, you know, it's not, it's not the woman's right. It's the child's right to have the support of his parent. I agree. You know, it, it's not incumbent upon the woman. But, you know, how you how you going to get blood from a turnip? You, you can't. You know, and I guarantee you, 97% of the people who commit vehicular manslaughter because they're drunk, you know, you, you could hit them with a $10 million fine. What, what you, how are you going to pay it? They only got 25 bucks of their name. How, yeah, that's nice. You know, that's, that's a nice gesture. It's meaningless. Right, right. I it's meaningless. You, you know, I sue <clears throat> the guy who killed my father or my child or this, and I get a $10 million verdict. How the fuck am I going to collect on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I still think it's a nice It's idea. called being judgment proof. It's it's called if being you have nothing for people to come after, there's nothing for them to come after for. Yeah, you got a judgment. And guess what? Now I can't get good credit. But guess what I do? I continue living my life like a shithead, you know, on a cash basis. And I get a job in construction where instead of making 25 bucks an hour, I get 23 bucks an hour in cash. You know, or like this, uh, what's that? Uh, Gil Giglio or Gilgo uh, Beach Murders? I have no idea. What are you talking about? You know, the guy that just got, they, they finally arrested this guy. It's a Gilgo Beach or some, something like that. He's been killing women for years, and they found all their bodies. But the first thing his wife does is divorce him. Yeah. And he gives her everything. Now, who are they going to go after, him or his wife? Mm. You know, divorce is one of the ways to become judgment-proof right away. My wife divorces me. I give her everything I own. I there's, think that's what happened with Dan Bilzerian's father. He gave away a shitload of money in a trust to Dan and his brother. There's dozens of ways to avoid a heavy judgment. Yeah. Can you ever think about all the crazy shit you've been through your whole life? Like from all the way back to your early days in the military, you've had children and grandchildren. You And great-grandchildren. I got great five of them. You've killed people. So not only have you created life, but you have ended life. You've been an attorney, the cocaine cases, the 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 infant the infanticide cases, just everything you've been through, marriage, divorce, even the dealing with cancer, like it just your life is as far as like, you know, when people talk about living life to the fullest, I feel like there's nothing you haven't done all the way to wearing a gold Rolex, becoming a successful attorney, driving a Mercedes, like there's nothing you haven't done. Or is there, is there something that you, you still want to do? No. You ever think about everything you've been through? Like you ever sit there and go, fuck, I've been through a lot of shit. No. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what I got to do in court next week. Yeah. I'm, I'm too busy thinking about the shit you I got to do today to think about the shit that I went through yesterday. You know, they say there's three kinds of people, people that think of the future, people that think of the present, people that think of the past. The past is the past. I don't bother with it. <clears throat> I don't lose sleep over it. I don't, you know, I got to be in court. Next, you know, I was in court uh, earlier this week. I fucked up. That's still bothering me. You know. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah. You know, I thought my guy, <laughs> I'm in front of a judge. And I go, look, this guy's looking at 78 to 87 months. Uh, I'm asking for the 78 months. And then the probation officer stands up and goes, no, it's actually, uh, um, what is it, uh, 63 to 78. I go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I fucked up. Yeah. So what, what ended up happening? Did well, he ended up getting the 78 months. Oh, shit. But I fucked up because I didn't prepare properly. Damn. That worries me. That worries me. Me not doing a good job for my clients is what worries me. The other day, I'm losing my hearing. You know, I got hearing aids. But I've been in more gunfights than anybody I know. Right. 
I'm surprised that I survived that. You know, but my hearing is going. So I'm standing in front of a judge, and she says, well, I'm going to give your guy time served. And I'm still arguing, which is like 114 days, and I'm still arguing for a low end of 18 months. (laughs) And, And I saw the judge smile because I didn't hear what she said, even though I got my hearing aids on. And I go, Judge, I'm sorry. Did you say time served? She goes, Yeah. I go, well, I'm sorry. I didn't hear. <laughs> you know, and I, I felt embarrassed. On the other hand, I just wrote a brief and, and wrote a motion that got, because I can write my ass off, that got a kidnapping resulting in death indictment dismissed, which everybody's going, holy shit, how did you pull that off? You know, and it was 40 hours of legal research. But I'm yet I'm sitting in front of a judge fucking up, you know, over whether it's time served. Or, you know, she goes, 114 days, I'm asking for 18 months. And, and she goes, she's, she kind of smiled and I picked up on it. I picked up that I had misheard and I asked her to repeat it. So, you know, I got to go back and get new hearing aids. I got an appointment next week at the VA. <laughs> Sorry, Your Honor. <laughs> My hearing aid malfunction. You know, I mean, that that's the shit that worries me. You know. Yeah, no, I didn't mean it from an angle of like worried or like sitting there like, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. Like, you know, how some people are like, oh, fuck, when I was 16, I had such a tough life and they feel sorry for themselves. I don't mean it like that. I mean, just reflecting on like you have lived an adventure novel. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think it's pretty fucking awesome. I'm not saying like, Oh, poor Ken. He's, no, he's no, got, no, you no. know, I never thought of it that way. I was thought of in the moment trying to get ahead in life, you know, trying that's to, how I am trying, trying to, trying to get myself to a situation. Yes. That's how I am. You know, and, and, you know, trying to, trying to provide for my family, you know, my children and, and to raise good people. You know, uh, and and to be a positive force in my community, and and to be a righteous person. You know, and there's been situations where, yeah, you know, the shit hit the fan, and I handle those situations, but I don't think of myself as a badass or, or you know, I did this or I did that. I was just a guy that lived a military life for years. You know, and finally made it through law school. And then said, okay, you know, it's you put down the sword and you pick up the plow. I love that saying. Yeah. Your mercenary stories are crazy. Huh? Your mercenary stories are crazy. Like you're like you even it told was a me crazy one time, world. Yeah, well, you even told me one time you said a lot of people exaggerate Vietnam. You said Nam wasn't that bad. You had no. you had you had support, you had you were backed up, you you know, like you were gonna get to a hot meal at the end of the day. But when you were in Africa or wherever you were doing, there was no like, air, there was no artillery. You picked a fight, you had to finish it or die. You know, it's that simple. So, a lot of guys think Vietnam was bad, or a lot of guys think that you know maybe Afghanistan or Iraq was bad. Yeah, you know when you're when you're in a war, it sucks. Sure. You know, but what you want to do is you, you want to survive it. And, and then you want to go on to the next stage of your life. You know, I see guys at the VA, they still got their 
and a Vietnam veteran hat on because that's, they stop there. That's their identity. Oh, the cigars make me change. You know, and, that's their and, identity. And, yeah, and I love the, <clears throat> and, and I liken that to guys who are 50 years old and they still think themselves as a high school quarterback. Right, 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 right. You know, and yep, the, they never moved on from that stage. Well, yeah. Again, that's, well, that's what I mean by that's their identity. They don't know who they are. If they're not sitting there talking about. No, they know who they are, but they're stuck on a oh, certain well, that, point. That's, that's who they are. Yeah. If they're not talking about that one thing, they've they got nothing else to talk about. Yeah. They just, they, some people stay 18 forever. What's that quote? Most people die at 18. They're just not buried till 75. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if you don't. There's no continued development. Correct. And, and being curious in life. Being curious in life it key is what keeps people going. What are you curious about nowadays? Everything. Everything. Do you think um, this whole thing with the aliens, have you, did you see any, any of that on the news? Oh, man, I fucking loved it. I, I saw a podcast, you know, a, a very popular podcast uh, by a, a former Navy SEAL. And he had a guy on there who, who had evidence, according to him, of aliens kidnapping people and human trafficking them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, now it's aliens and human trafficking. So aliens like yeah, aliens are people, pedophiles. Huh? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it, it's how the fuck can you go there? You know, uh, here's what I think about aliens. The only thing about us being the only thing about us not, the thing more scary about us not being alone in the universe is that we are alone in the universe, that we're it. So do I think there's human life out there? I hope so. But guess what? That's not going to put food on my table. <laughs> yes. You know, my belief in aliens is not going to put food on, unless I get a bunch of assholes, you know, <laughs> to buy my program you know, to stop alien kidnapping, <laughs> you know, and probing my asshole, right. you know, and, and, you know, here's an anti-alien probe your asshole tool that you can get now for 1995. All right. You know, yeah. if you can sell that to the rubes, you can uh, sell it. You can sell anything to America as long as it's 25% off and no payments for 30 days. There you go. You know, <laughs> just fine. Just give them. And if you don't like the probe, just give them a know, good financing if, option. If you don't like anything. the anti-probe device, you can return it in 30 days. It, it, uh, it, it's and people especially will, food. You can sell Americans anything. They eat. George Carlin said, if you were selling sauteed raccoons assholes on a stick, Americans would buy them and eat them, especially if you dip them in butter. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, uh, and if some guy gets on there with a straight face, yeah. looks at you and says, you know, anybody who's on YouTube, well, guess what? The monetary fund is going, you got to buy gold certificates. And, you know, I mean, skip ad, right? Or guess what? You know, your prostate problems will be over with a simple exercise. Just press this button and listen to our shit for 30 minutes yeah. before they finally tell you, you know, you got to do sit-ups to get rid of your, <clears throat> you know, your bad whatever it, it, it's or, or, or drink a tablespoon of olive oil every day. It, and there's people that if you can do that, that's fine. You're, you're making money off the rubes. Rubes. That's a funny word. Rubes. What does it stand for? What does it mean? 
dumb people. <laughs> okay. You know, and Rubes is a kind of a 1960s, 70s expression. Is you that know, right? It's, it means, you know, dumb people. <laughs> okay. Um, you have been trying to get in shape recently, trying to get back in shape. And you said you were trying to work out, but you got some pain, some aches and pains. Everything breaks. Something I'm, always breaks. I'm not surprised given all that you've been through, all the surgeries you've had. Yeah. Have you tried, have you thought about like what kind of exercise you're trying to do? I want to see if I can help you out a little bit with that. Well, I weight lift and I've, I've got an upper body routine and a lower body routine. Okay. And part of my lower body routine, I stretch out, I stretch out my legs. I do my old karate stretch. I'm going to give you a great example. I started doing, my treadmill broke. So now I go, shit, between deciding whether I'm going to have my treadmill fixed or buy a new one, it was about three weeks and I decided, well, shit, I'm going to try karate again. So I got this dummy and I'm throwing kicks at it. And the first couple of days that I tried doing my kicks and I was like a stumble bump. My balance was bad. My form was horrible. You know, um, um, I, I was at, I, I looked like a clumsy white belt, right? So after about a week or two, all of a sudden my shit's coming in. Mm-hmm. My front, my front snap kick, my side. And guess what? All of a sudden I got, I got titanium knees. I got titanium hips. My shit is going beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't, I can't see my front kick. It's coming out so fast. Right, so now I I start hitting the dummy. Well, I, and I'm getting my roundhouses and my side kicks up to about, you know, knee level. I'm not kicking up head high anymore. But my kicks are effective. I'm, you know, beating the shit out of the dummy. And guess what happens? My fucking ankle goes. Oh, man. <laughs> right? So now every time I kick the dummy, my fucking left ankle swells up. Well, so I wanted to recommend some low impact stuff for you. Instead of getting a treadmill, consider getting a manual treadmill and just walk on that. I mean, pulling sled is is the best thing, but the second best thing, pretty close to that, is a manual treadmill. Well, let me tell Where you, it doesn't what it, have a motor, and you have to actually drag it, and you step and pull with your heel. You could just put that in your garage. You could get on there and walk on it, and then hit the punching bag or do well, whatever. Well, guess what? I, I was doing that. And all of a sudden, I get a fucking bone spur on my left heel. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like I got a, I have a pain inside of me, and it goes to different parts of me. Yeah. To fuck me over. <laughs> you know? I get it. If it's not my back pain, you know, it's, 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 um, it's my left tendons or my right tendons on my knee, which what have about, been ripped. Um, what about, um, um, a punching bag. Are you hitting a punching bag? Oh, I love a punching bag. Get um, I need you once I set up the the garage in my house. I'm I'm uh, making a bunch of improvements on the house I just bought. But once I set up the garage, I'm going to put up my punching bag. I have an aqua bag. Have you seen those? Yeah, I was it's thinking a big of getting ball one of those. filled with water. Come yeah. try it out. We'll do a workout. Come try it out. And it's fantastic. It's it's really low impact because of the water. Um, you know, you still want to wear gloves. It's just it's not comfortable to hit it without gloves. But I don't wear gloves when I punch. I, and I get that. I understand why people do that, especially old school karate people. But for this, for the sake of just getting through a workout, the aqua bag is great. But if you hit the aqua bag without gloves, you'll want gloves because it's just kind of leathery and plasticky. And so you like the glove. So it's human flesh. 
it it's more, it more closely resembles a human body, like punching somebody in the in the stomach, as opposed to a, a regular punching bag that's stuffed with cotton or whatever they're stuffed with. Yeah. Well, I love a punching bag, man. I was gonna do a workout with my duffel bag filled with cash the other day. That thing weighed twenty seven and a half pounds. I actually weighed it. I was like, I should I ought to go running with this thing or something. Because well, it got me thinking. So, <clears throat> um, the one dollar bills, which was how many of them? A hundred make a thousand. No, what am I talking about? A thousand make a thousand. So, <laughs> so I had ten packs of a thousand, right? And uh, and the the that's what a million dollars would weigh if those were hundred dollar bills instead of one dollar. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Okay, you're laughing over there. I'm like, I'm no, I'm, I'm laughing at a memory that, that, okay. that it just triggered. This thing's giving me a good buzz, so I know I'm not totally with it, but uh, it feels almost like if I drank just just enough whiskey, almost like I'm a little bit. I got a little buzz from the cigar, but yes, yeah, so I was thinking like that's how much a million dollars would weigh if it was hundred dollar bills. It'd be the same amount of cash, but it would be a million instead of ten thousand. And so, a million dollars weighs about twenty five pounds. So if you're gonna go rob a bank and you're gonna carry out a hundred million dollars in cash, it ain't fucking happening. I once represented a guy who robbed a bank. Oh, no. What did he rob? I forgot. But he had about 40 pounds in quarters. <laughs> he was running down the street with a bag full of quarters, 40 pounds. That's not a lot of money. No shit. And he got caught because he couldn't <laughs> run with the 40 pounds. <laughs> I'm going, what, what the fuck were you thinking? You know, oh, it was a lot of money. No, it wasn't. I forgot how much money it was. But it was a, I even forgot. Forty pounds and quarters. That's got to be like ten bucks. I don't know. I, I don't know how much it was, man. But this guy was running away with, you know, with. He had a he had one of those gym bags full of quarters, you know, <laughs> and he he couldn't run. And the other thing I was laughing about was I once got a hundred thousand dollars in cash fee and these guys brought me a suitcase. And so we started counting the money. You know, I let them go home. I said, fuck it. I'll count it. Don't worry about it. And what I typically did was I would take it to the bank and get hundreds, you know, but now we're counting the money. And this, this guy had about $10,000 in $1 bills. And a lot of them really smelled bad. <clears throat> You know, I mean, it was really funky. It was really horrible. Like they were in a cheap strip club or something. No, no, there was like blood on them. Oh. You know, dried blood and shit. You know, I mean, it stunk up the whole room. I called the guy back. I go, take, come get your fucking money. You know, I'm. This <laughs> money stays. Um, one, two, three, four, five. Dollar bills. <laughs> you know, there were 20s and 50s and 100s in the pile. But, you know, there was about 10. <laughs> I mean, there was a stack of, of of ones, and they were all fucked up and all crumbly and all bloody, and they, they smelled like feet or, or blood, you know, dried blood and shit. So I just called the guy up and said, Get, "Come, come here, bring, bring, bring me back hundreds, man." It took about about another week for the guy to change his own money, but you know, it was just amazing because you know, me and, a, and an assistant were counting this money. And my assistant almost puked you know, at, yeah. the, at the smell of the money. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, rancid money, huh? Yeah, rancid money. How long before there's just no cash anymore? 
It's just all electronic. Well, now you go to a restaurant and you try to pay with a credit card and it's some don't take it. Oh, some don't take cash. No, they'll, they'll hit you with a 3% increase in your bill. That's a good point. So I wonder if that's going to, that's going to incentivize some people to, to revert to cash. I don't think I've ever paid for a meal with a credit card. Really? Yeah. How come? Hmm? How come? I carry cash on me. I've got horrible credit. Like, what's your score? I don't know. It's got to be 540. Well, 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 you know, when you get these things like, you know, you can buy this item for 20% cheaper. If you apply for one of our credit cards right now, you know, you go to like Walmart or, yeah, yeah, or Academy or everywhere. I'll, I'll fill out the application. And two weeks later I go, sorry, you didn't pass. Even with your income, even with my income. That's so weird. I'm 76. I'm still knocking down 200 plus a year. Is it because you've just, you don't really use a credit card? So I you, never, you didn't build credit? I got one credit card. I got an American Express I used to travel with for gas and at the grocery store. That's the only thing I use a credit card for. I use it to get points and because I don't want to deal with pennies. Pennies are annoying. You know, when I lived in uh, Dubai, I remember as a kid in the UAE, they always round up the change. There was no, it didn't go down to a cent. It went down to a quarter and 50. So if your change was whatever, 18 cents, they would just give you 25. Yeah. So they would always round it up or down. There's yeah. there no, there's no pennies. I don't even, I don't remember if there were dimes. I mean, obviously in the, in the dirhams, it weren't, you know, they weren't called dimes, but whatever they are, the 10 cent uh, uh, variable of that. I don't remember. I think it was just quarters. No, I think, I think, we, I, I think that's a big incentive for cash. You know, the fact that, you know, some stores, and mostly food eateries are now charging a three, three and a three point five percent well for the use of a credit card. Because <clears throat> the credit card charges them and they're passing it on to the consumer. Yeah, of, co of course. Well, yeah, I mean uh, that's that's the way it works. And the thing about that is using credit cards eventually filters all the money into the hands of the bank. Because if I give you if I if if I pay you for something, let's say I go to your restaurant, I pay you a hundred bucks. You take that hundred bucks, you go to the dry cleaners, you pay with that hundred bucks, they go somewhere else. And that hundred bucks gets used 50 times across and it exchanges hands 50 times. It's still a hundred bucks. But if you pay a hundred dollars with a credit card, if I pay you a hundred dollars with a credit card, you only get 97. Yeah. Then you go pay and now it's 3% less. And, and eventually it just all winds up in the hands of the bank in credit card fees. That's but it's, but it's convenient and that's why people do it. And then you get rewards points and that's why people do it. When I see, when I get a thing on my, on my credit card that says get 5% back at circle K pay at the pump. I'm like done. <laughs> that's where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 5% shit to fill my truck. It's like 70, 80 bucks, depending on where I go. Give me 5% back. On I that. got a six cylinder Mercedes and it's the same thing, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, I seldom buy anything. I go to a store, you know, to buy a suit or a shirt or whatever. Cash. Period. Really? Yeah. I always pay cash. That's why you don't have good credit. My credit score is like 820 or something. Yeah, my wife's got a great it's credit score. It's always been high because I've always used credit cards. Yeah, I've, you know. It's, uh, I one time lend uh, a relative a credit card. Well, I lend my daughter-in-law a I used to buy winter coats for all my grandchildren, oh. you know, on an annual basis. And I gave my daughter-in-law my credit card. Go buy, and she put 10,000 bucks on it. 
and I refused to pay it. You know, and they hounded me for a couple of years. I go, fuck you, send me the receipts, which they don't have because what they do, they sell bad paper. And then the people who buy that bad paper will call you. You know, I'm, you can buy a million dollars worth of bad paper for, let's say, $50,000. And then you get 10 guys to start hounding the credit, the debtors. And if you make, and if you make uh, 200,000 back, but they can't force you to pay that, you know? So I refused, that's when my credit started going down. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. You know. Interestingly, if you don't pay a medical bill, it doesn't go to your credit. It doesn't affect your credit. You can go to the doctor. You can have them do all kinds of exams and then tell them to get fucked. And then you're, I've got the best medical services in the world. The VA? The VA. Is it really? Absolutely. Why does everybody else complain about it? You're I the first know. person that I've ever heard give a good review to the VA. If you know how to deal with the VA, they will take the best care of you possible. That's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. You know, uh, when, when I was when I was diagnosed with cancer, I said, well, you guys can send me to MD Anderson in Houston. They go, no, we're going to send you to Beaumont. Mm -hmm. Beaumont Medical Center. Yeah, I've got a friend who's a doctor there. She's a pediatrician. Yeah. You could eat off the floors in that place. Really? The, the, the treatment I got is excellent. World class. World class. You know, for free. What am I complaining well, I'm about? I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I bled, you know, I got shot up a couple of times. And guess what? Best thing that ever happened to me. Because now I'm an old fart. I'm 76 years old. I get, I get free medical care. I think old farts are the ones who drive 40 on the freeway. The ones who drive like you are old fucks. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm an old fuck. <laughs> you know. Well, you know what I love about you, Ken? But You always have the same positive attitude. You're always joking and laughing and just having a good time. You're full of life. That's even, right. Even with everything that you're going through, like even right now dealing with cancer, most people are just would just be moping and sad and, and depressed and everything, and you're still going to work. You're going to see your wife. You got the grandkids at your house for the weekend, and you're just having a good time. Absolutely. What else are you going to do? Ask for sympathy? Sympathy's in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> you want sympathy? You'll find it in the dictionary. Right between shit and syphilis. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> right? Yep. You know, oh, woe was me is you didn't look. <laughs> this is why I like talking to you. <laughs> the Trump thing, the, the Biden thing. I don't give a fuck who's the president. It's not going to change my life. Yeah. You know, when Trump became the president, everybody's going, oh, what was us? When Biden became the president, oh, what was us? How has your life changed? And, and I'll tell you an interesting well, thing. Our yeah. lives are not made good because of politicians. They're made, we make our lives good in spite of politicians. And if you're not smart enough to get that done, then, then woe is me. I like to think so. I think um, the path that I see the United States headed on right now is very akin to the path that Lebanon was on for many years, and that's why Lebanon is a fallen nation. 
there's no Lebanon anymore. People still talk about Lebanon. I'm like, what Lebanon are you guys talking about? And it worries me. It worries me seeing that in the, in the United States because I feel like we're headed down the same path. We're, we're very divided. Our politicians are more corrupt than ever. They're blatantly corrupt now. They ain't even got to lie anymore. They used to have to lie. Now they don't even give a fuck. Everybody's too busy arguing between you know, blacks and whites and racism and sexism and homophobia and all this bullshit that they just made up to keep people distracted. Same with sports. They put on sports so people can be too fucking busy watching the football game to pay attention to what the hell is actually going on in the world. Well, look, it's not the politicians. It's the people who own them. Which is who? Multinational corporations? Multinationals, national corporations. You know, it's... Microsoft, BlackRock? Whoever. Oil companies? Uh, whoever. You know, if look, if I'm a if, if I'm a U.S. senator and I need, in, every six years, I need $10 million to get reelected, I'm going to be kissing somebody's ass and voting their way. And, and what I think we have to do, if you want to straight out politics, you get term limits. I would love to see that. <clears throat> term for, limits. For every position of public office, everyone. Well, from, from governor to mayor to president to senator, well, here's, everyone. Here's what you have. You need some experience in government to know which buttons to push and which levers to pull I agree. to make shit happen. You know, to get it in, 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 in for... Uh, what do they call it? Infrastructure program going to fix bridges and railroad tracks and shit like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. You need people with experience to do that. That was Trump's big failing. He didn't know how to push the button or, or pull the lever. <laughs> he just can't stand that guy. No, 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 no Bob. I have not. I, I, well, here's what I think about Trump. You don't think he was a better president than Biden? At least Paul, at least Trump could form a coherent thought. At least, I, I mean, even you said on your Facebook after the Afghanistan shit show that you voted for Biden, but you won't vote for him again after that bullshit. Well, I won't vote for Biden. Did I say Instagram or Facebook? Uh, yeah, or Facebook? I will. I will not vote for Biden, but I will vote for whoever's running against Trump. What about um, Robert? Uh, what's his name? Kennedy. He's an idiot. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, he's just an idiot. I mean, he's got all these fucking weird ass notions. Come on, have some common sense. You know, have some common sense. Have some, have some logical shit that actually. What's the job of well, a? Like, what, what has he said that you think is stupid? Uh, I I can't think of anything specifically. You know, but you know whoever's up there. Politicians have to bear fools to get elected. They have to bear fools? Yeah, they have to put up with fools. They have to agree with fools to get elected. You know, and that's 85% of our population. At least. That's 85% of our population are, are just non-thinking people. You know, w without the ability to have critical thoughts, without the ability to say, how does this work? In, in 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 view of what I've experienced in life and what really works for me. You know, so you have people voting on their emotions. You have people voting on popularity contests. Well, it, it is a popularity contest. I mean, people vote for personality and policy. Correct. And, and personality probably more than policy. That's, I mean, I, I think that's the only reason Obama won because he had the right charisma. Absolutely. Same thing He's with Clinton. fucking twat, Same thing but. with Clinton. 
Same thing with Bush. You know, I mean, look at Bush. You know, he attacks Iraq. What the fuck? You know? Yeah. Uh, Bush got us into Iraq. I actually don't know much about the war. I only started paying attention to politics like a year and a half ago. It was when I got sick of seeing so many taxes get taken out of my paycheck. Like, what the fuck? I'm paying what? How much? Fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year? Go fuck yourself. Well, that's that's when I started looking into shit. That's because you went into a profession where there's no cash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at a certain point, though, where you're gonna keep all that cash? You, if you're making a shitload of money, where are you gonna put all that cash? Like, if you go to the casino, let's say you're you're an awesome gambler, poker player, whatever. You go to these house games and you make five thousand dollars a month. Okay, you could you could hide that. You could use that, whatever. But if you make ten million dollars. What are you going to put that under your mattress? What are you going to do? With all, what are you going to do with all that cash? You got, you got to deposit it at some point. So you need to go order a business and run. You need well, to go buy you, a business well, and run well, it through. Yeah, well, you know that's where money laundering comes Chico, in. Chico's tacos. Oh, look, that's where money laundering comes in. That's where the casinos, you know, the skim on the casinos. Seven million dollar apartments in New York. So let me ask you this: We're at three hours in. We got to wrap up. How come my cigarette, my, my cigar, I mean, does not burn evenly? Like I keep getting this, this edge. You see what I'm saying? Yours burns evenly in a circle. Mine doesn't. What am I doing wrong? It's because I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> and, I, and I've smoked hundreds of these. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you'll, you'll but what am down. I doing wrong? Am I supposed to just keep rotating? No, Let me see no, yours. No. Let me see your cigar. See, you, like yours burned and it burns in a nice circle. Mine is uneven. It's all fucked up. That's okay. That's, that's, that's fine. That doesn't matter. Just let it go and keep puffing. Well, Ken, thank you so much for doing this. As always, it's a pleasure sitting down with you. I love talking to you. You're always welcome on the show. And, Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have you on every six, eight weeks, whatever, a couple months maybe. We always have stuff to talk about. I'm really glad I got to smoke my first cigar with you. I appreciate the lessons. And uh, cheers. This was uh, fun. My first podcast back in El Paso and many more to come. See you later, everybody. Cheers to you.